Welcome to episode 24 of the Champs and Chums podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm Ashton. Father-son fun talk on sports, life, and friendship. Coming up on episode 24, we, the North, will go one-on-one with Canadian television star and Canadian radio star, Eric Smith. Hot, hot, hot. We'll make your summer sizzle as we go gold, silver, bronze for heat-inspired sports teams. And we'll head for home on episode 24 with our special segments, All Pro Go, a Did You Know Sports Spotlight, and Champs and Chums personal salutes to our stars on and off the field. That's all coming up on episode 24 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Welcome back to Champs and Chums. Happy August, everybody. Happy heart of the summer. We hope you're all doing very well. And uh, Ashton, salute to you, my man. Happy summer. Well, uh, thank you, Dad, and uh, happy summer to you as well. Wow. Hard to believe, everybody, that uh, it's sort of the countdown to the last part of summer here as as we're uh, here uh, broadcasting the show we're so glad that you're with us. We got an outstanding uh, episode. I'll I'll say this before we get a little further. We've got a championship kind of show, Ashton. What do you say? Yeah, we sure do. We sure do. Well, it's great to have you on the program. It's episode 24. And Ashton, um, at this time, we always kind of have a chance to chat about some of the goings-on, some of the happenings, some of the awesome things that's happened to us um, and things that we've been experiencing and doing um over the course of of the last month and um boy oh boy did we really pack a punch of fun experiences for the month of august um but before we do all that my friend the fans want to know how do you feel about getting back to school well uh, i feel really excited uh for grade four and uh, i'm going in class so i can socialize with my friends even more uh so back when i was in grade three uh i actually had to well i started uh, in school then for my break uh we changed to online then i finished the uh to the school year off uh online so hopefully this year we can be more in person uh this time so uh i we we'll just have to wait and see well for sure right and uh, it's so great that uh at least um as the way it's looking now you'll be in the classroom so great to connect with all your chums some of them who you've uh spoken to and and seen on screen but uh it's great to see them in person and in a classroom and getting back into the great routine of learning right ashton and um that's an amazing thing we talk talk about it a lot we 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 chalk it up to on on champs and chums 
um, just getting back to, it seems like getting back into a great routine and, um, that's what it's all about, uh, for champs and chums, great habits, uh, great routines and, uh, and really, um, pushing that pencil as hard as you can to do the best you can and, uh, wish you the best. And we'll get into that a little bit more, uh, in our September episode and, and hear how you're doing and back to school. But, um, before we do that, We've tried to squeeze some many fun experiences um, over yes. the course of August, Ashton. I mean, I mean, some of them have a sporting. Um, you've had experiences in in sports, um, outdoor um, sporting events. Uh, you know, cottage time, sports time, uh, court time. But let's get into the some of the fun sports stuff because, um, well, where should we start, my friend? Um, shall we start? Uh, where we cheered on our, our, our Blue Jays in that opening weekend? Yes, we should. Um, so uh, that opening week, their second game we went to on a Saturday, I believe it was. Kansas City Royals. Yep. Uh, the Blue Jays beat them, and we were in second row, uh, which was very, it was a very fun experience for me uh to get those good of uh blue jay seats and uh i th- i think that uh the blue jays are going to do uh, really well this season. Well, yeah, they're in, they're in a dogfight, no doubt, right, to make the playoffs and yeah. uh but it's so great the fan support. They went on an incredible run as I recall. I think they went 9 and 2 out of the gates after they got back to the to the Rogers Center, uh, yeah. one of the nine wins we were part of. But yeah, I mean, it was great to uh, get that kind of uh, perspective. Uh, I almost saw like uh, uh, the the scenes of the fastball that uh, that uh, Alex Manoa was throwing uh, in the yeah. heat. He was bringing the heat on that day for sure. But um, we also want to shout out Ashton to um, the clubhouse attendant on the Kansas City Royals because post game he had a little surprise for you. Yes, he did. Uh, so he he saw me. Uh, so because there was m- mostly like teenagers and uh, adults uh, in in the uh, lower levels. So um, uh, the Kansas City Royals uh, clubhouse attendant. He he saw me and then he waved at my dad and then he just threw a ball at him. And, uh, well, and I caught it luckily because yeah. if I had a dropped that someone else would have gone and it. I wouldn't have heard the end of it. But, uh, yeah, shout out to, uh, the Casey Royals. Um, I love their jerseys, Ashton. I, I love yeah. the Blue Jays, uh, jerseys, but I love the, the Royals jerseys and, uh, yeah, thanks so much for making it a great experience. Um, great father son experience at the Blue Jay game, but, um, yeah, I mean, take me out to the ball game, okay, Blue Jays, all that fun stuff. It was a great experience down at the old ball yard. Yep. Um, but then we went from the baseball diamond over to the soccer pitch. Why don't you talk? Because this actually would have been, I believe it was your third experience for the Toronto FC, but what a game uh, there was um, on that Saturday night. Yes, it was on a Saturday night. Uh, last week or the week before, I believe, and uh, they played the New England Revolution. Uh, Teal Bunbury's on that team. That's right. Shout so out Alex to our Bunbury's episode. Son. Yeah, shout out to our episode eighteen guest Alex Bunbury, 
Um, great, uh, great guest he was. And yeah, his son Teal was playing on uh, for the other side. Yep. And um, the the TFC unfortunately lost one to two, but they did play their hearts out. So uh, I appreciate the TFC playing their hearts out. Well, they sure did. I mean, the- and we heard. And we heard the uh, supporter section. It was so well, loud. Well, that's what I want you to describe for the fans. I mean, you know, uh, of all the sports that you've had a chance to experience, live pro sports, Ashton, describe for the fans what you were hearing, feeling uh, on that night. Oh, man. Um, my dad told me before the game, you're going to hear what soccer sounds like. Uh, so, uh, when, when we were there, we heard lots of, lots of, uh, uh, FC, well, not really FC supporters. They weren't in the supporters section, but they were supporters. Um, so they, they were trash talking, uh, New England and, uh, well, the, the, I gotta say, honestly, the referee just robbed the TFC. (laughs) A little editorial here from my chum on the, on the right of the broadcast chair here for sure. Yeah. It was a tough match. I mean, and, and let's, let's remember folks on paper, the new England revolution was the best team in the league. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, the FC this season are, are toiling near the, uh, the, the bottom of the standings, but, uh, the way they played, the heart they played, the, and as always, uh, in keeping with TFC crowds, the o- the ovation, the support from all the fans. I mean, Ashton, yes. the singing and the the stomping of the feet and um, and the drums as well. Yeah, so um, highly recommended fans, champs and chums fans. If you hadn't haven't had a chance to check out a live TFC soccer game, um, we would highly recommend that. Yes, we would. Okay, Ashton, we got to keep moving here because. August was jam-packed with uh, fun experiences. And uh, so from um, soccer, you made your way and you visited a man named Stanley. Tell the fans about that. Well, yes. uh, I did go to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. Um, uh, It it was a really fun experience, actually, because, uh, you know... It's it. It was my first time being there, so uh, I think uh, that the Hockey Hall of Fame. I would recommend going there if you like hockey so much, like you're so passionate about it. Uh, I I still am, and uh, standing beside the Stanley Cup was definitely a remarkable moment from uh from the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, me and my dad saw a 3D movie, and uh, at the first clip, uh, there was a guy who like uh, shot a hockey puck, and since it was 3D, it came right to our face. And I felt so like scared. it hit my teeth, actually. Me too. <laughs> it was it was it was simulated so real. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, we had good seats for that too, Ashton. And of yeah. course, you you took on Carrie Price. Right, a, I did. a simulated experience of trying to put one by one of the greatest goaltenders in hockey right now, uh, Carey Price. Well, I mean, I actually I I sniped him top top uh, right. You went top cheese on him. 
Yep. You did, and you beat him, and uh, you beat Dear Old Dad, too, because I wasn't able to put one by, uh, I believe I faced, it was Jonathan Quick. I think, wait, and you I couldn't face him. Carrie. Yeah, I, I, we went twice. We had so much fun, we went twice, and uh, yeah. in fact, uh, do you remember us going up to the TSN broadcast booth, and uh, oh, what, yeah. what a dream for us to be able to co-broadcast some of the biggest game-winning goals in hockey. Yes, that was an amazing uh, experience, and I felt like a, a broadcaster for uh, TSN or SportsCenter, and it was a really fun experience going to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I think that was one of the best experiences that I've had during uh, my love of hockey. You sure do. Well, listen, I'm going to speed up here uh, uh, because it's like I'm keeping a scorecard of all the, the awesome August things that we've done. Yep. And, of course, golf continues to be something that you love to take a shot at. In fact, you loved it so much, you said to me, Dad, I want to have a lesson. And you did. Yes, I did. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I really like golf right now. Uh, this is a pretty uh, cool story how I got into it. Uh, I was into hockey, and then I heard that lots of hockey players play golf. So I'm like, hmm, I want to try it. Uh, and for my birthday... Uh, my dad got me a uh, beginner set, uh, and it it actually uh, works, and I'm just having a great time playing golf, and I think it's a really fun game to play. And uh, talking about the lessons, um, for those of you who don't know this course, TPC at Osprey Valley, um, it's a really, really nice course, and uh, they're like three separate courses and i got lessons for 45 minutes with uh yeah the assistant golf pro there yeah yeah shane, shane. shout out to shane uh that's great uh, he was he was really amazing with you yep uh and i think the next day when we went to the driving range or the day after i actually you know use what he said and I, all of a sudden, I've just been hitting uh, way better. You sure have, man. I've seen the difference after one lesson already. And uh, golf, of all the sports, is probably one of the most challenging for people because, uh, well, it's like we always talk about on Champs and Chums, everybody. you got to put in the work and all the things you do sort of away from the course, whether it be practicing at the driving range, whether it be working on your drive, uh, on your chip, on your, you know, your fairway um, approach, those kind of shots. I mean, it's an interesting game that way. So I'm glad that you've taken it up and and uh, have an interest in it. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe uh, as the years go by, my friend, you'll be wheeling uh, me in, in in a golf cart and you drive. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I have tried driving it once. I'm not a pro. Um, well, I was in the car, everybody, just yeah. so you know. I was in the golf cart as he was trying to steer that and co-stick handling it with me. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Okay, we got a few more things we want to cover in this awesome August, too. Um, you, my friend, just recently had a chance to um, go high. Yes. Really high. Really, really, really high in the air. We're talking 1,700 feet above the ground, my friend. What did you experience in August? Well, I experienced 
uh, with the Power Girls, uh, my grandma, and uh, my aunt. Uh, we went to the CN Tower to have lunch there at their 360 restaurant, and um, it was a really fun experience. Um, going up the CN Tower, it was a bit scary for me because I've never been uh, so having my cousins, uh, Power Girls. Uh, so I think it was a great experience. But the only two things I was scared of was going up the CN Tower and that glass floor. Oh, yes. The famous <laughs> glass floor. If you look down, it's so scary. Yeah. Well, 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 fans, I've got the video and audio evidence of it. Ashton, definitely for Do his debut. Show. For his debut, it's a, I would say that it's a work in progress. But I'm yes. glad that you actually got your, you kind of got half your body onto that glass floor. Exactly. So as we talk about all the time on Champs and Chums, everything, greatness is all about progress, step by step, my friend. So let's give it another year or two and uh, yeah. let's give that a go again. Yep. Good stuff. Top of Toronto. Great, great, uh, great experience. Father, son, family experience at the top of Toronto. But uh, let's put things uh, on the court here. Let's start balling, my friend. Yes. Because very recently at the time of this recording, you, and I tell you, you have had some unbelievable basketball. Actually, let me reframe that. Unbelievable basketball Raptor experiences. Yes. You were a witness to the Kawhi game, the bounce game. And you were a witness to a, um, a, a, a great uh, tilt between LeBron James and the Toronto Raptors. Uh, you've been to the 905 uh, which is the um, uh, just just below the NBA players, and and we've we've enjoyed ourselves there. But I think out of all of those great Raptor experiences, the most recent one takes the cake. Tell the fans of your August experience with. Uh, I'll just say, you had a slim duck a duck sighting, did you? Yeah. So um, I will reveal it uh, once. You get more information. So, uh, so uh, there's a, a there was a basketball camp in Whitby. Uh, it was you can meet a raptor and you also learn at the same time, and uh, it is the Chris Chris Boucher uh, back to school camp. Wait, you mean the center slash power forward for your Toronto Raptors, Chris Boucher? Yes. Wow. And you got a chance to get guest instruction from him. And well, tell all the fans what it was like meeting, having a chance to meet um, and get some tips from, you know, one of the, well, he's a Canadian, first of all. So that's an amazing thing. But a Canadian who's doing amazing things on a professional team for Canada's only NBA team. How about that? Uh, t tell the fans what it's like. Well, uh, it was it was like uh, basically meeting uh, one of the Raptors players, and uh, it it was just a great experience. And I was just shocked when I heard my dad told me. I'm going to sign you up for the Chris Boucher camp. And I'm going to, and I was like, what? That's crazy. And then um, when I met him, I said, hi, Chris, it's an honor to meet you. And he said, uh, hi. Uh, and then 
and then we took the picture. So the camera guy took one from far and then one from close. So uh, then I said, uh, bye, Chris. It was, uh, it was, it's a pleasure being at your camp. And, and as I said, it was an honor to meet you. So, um, pro all pro Ashton on and off the court. Well done. Uh, and so great experience for sure. And, uh, and then dad got an opportunity as well to, to, to meet, uh, uh, one of Raptors finest, Chris Boucher. We had a chance to have you sign, uh, him sign your shirt and a lot of fun like that. Uh, so when we were driving up to Whitby, I, I was just thinking in my head, I was just thinking about the Raptors and then, and then I just thought about him. I, I thought about him. I'm like, dang, that man, that man's tall. And, uh, to, uh, to be, uh, correct with you, it, he is six, nine. He's a big man. Yes. He's a tall drink of water. I mean, you know, just to see him larger than life. I mean, and I think actually, uh, of course, everything was done safely. Uh, it, it being obviously with, with COVID and such, uh, all the protocols were followed. So parents were kind of watching outside, you know, masks on outside of this glass window at the um, the wonderful Ability Center, Whitby. And man, I can see why he 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 uh, he's had some big game blocks because man, he's got some long arms to swat to swat that ball away. Yeah. Um. So it, no pun intended, it was like meeting the CN Tower. Yeah, that's actually a great great way to say it. From one tower to another, great stuff, Ashton, and great little segue there. But let's keep the segues rolling here. Let's let's keep moving the ball. The, the basketball, the round ball up the court because it's been a busy month for a lot of sports. And of all of the accomplishments of our special guest coming up on episode 24, basketball is his thing. Yes. So Ashton, and, is, and, and not only just basketball is his thing, it's Raptors basketball is his thing. Ashton, tell all the fans who's coming up on episode 24 here. Sports radio uh, star and sports television star Eric Smith. What an outstanding guest. A championship guest, everybody. Accomplished broadcaster. He's your Raptors radio play-by-play host uh, and, and broadcaster. He's your television host on Sportsnet. He's a broadcaster for the National Bank Open Tennis, Olympic broadcaster. We are so grateful that coming up on episode 24 is Eric Smith. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a great interview. So make sure you tune in a little later on in the show for that. Good stuff. Well, Ashton, it's been a great opening already. And I feel like now it's time to get into our father-son free-for-all round. And everybody, um, you know we're in the heart of summer. But more so, let me just change a few words about heart. We are in the heat of summer, Ashton. I mean, it has been sweltering out there, hasn't it? Yes. So we thought, Ashton and I, and we are proud to present to you, everybody, in our father-son free-for-all segment, heat-inspired sports teams. So Ashton, why don't you take it away with your bronze medal? My bronze medal is the Calgary Flames. What a great pick, the legendary Calgary Flames. Um, 
Yeah, that's a great one, Ashton. Uh, why don't you tell the fans a little bit more about the Calgary Flames? Well, their history, they were the Atlanta Flames uh, from 1972 to 1980. Um, they've won one Stanley Cup. Uh, uh, I remember that one well as well, too, right? Um uh, that was 9889 uh, uh they defeated Ashton at the time the Montreal Canadiens did you know that one wow yeah Lanny McDonald was on the team um also uh, uh, Mike Vernon backstopped them uh Theo Fleury yeah so they won the Stanley Cup then yeah but um good stuff yeah uh they have three conference championships uh two presidents trophies uh Seven division championships, uh, and they are just one great team. Well, they sure are, Ashton, and um, you know they they they're they're still a great team to today. I mean, some of the great players have played on the Calgary Flames. Of course, who can forget Jerome McGinley? Um, you know, their captain for so long. But I mean, a great team now with Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau. Um, so, uh, you know, that is Ashton's bronze medal, the Calgary Flames. Good stuff. Now over to dad for my bronze medal for heat inspired athlete names or sorry, heat inspired sports teams. My, my correction, everybody, um, my, I'm going to actually take it to the WNBA Ashton because my bronze medal is the Indiana fever. What a great choice. Well, you know, I'm thinking, you know, when it's hot out there, you you, you kind of feel like you have a fever, right? Summer yep. fever, if you will. But yeah, everybody, the um, the Indiana fever was founded 21 years ago. That's right. Uh, in 2000, um, they play at a Banker's Life Fieldhouse Stadium. That's where the uh, Indiana Pacers play. And uh, their head coach is Marian, Marianne Stanley. They've had one championship in 2012, three conference titles, 2009, 2012, 2015. So there you have it, Ashton. That is my, uh, that is my bronze medal from the WNBA, the Indiana Fever. Over to you, Ashton, with your uh, silver medal. My silver medal is the Phoenix Suns. Oh, that's a great one. The sun is shining on you as you describe for the fans the uh, Phoenix Suns. Yep. Uh, so they haven't won any championships, sadly. Uh, they've won three conference titles, seven division titles. Uh, they have seven retired numbers, and... Uh, their team colors are purple, orange, black, gray, and yellow. And their arena that they play in is the Footprint Center. In Phoenix, Arizona, that that is a, a you know per, a, a, a very hot hot uh, um, uh, state for sure. Yep. Uh, and place. So uh, the Phoenix Suns, and I mean obviously Ashton, there's been some great great players that have. Uh, uh, played for the Phoenix Suns, of course. Uh, you'd have to think of uh, Sir Charles, uh, Charles Barkley, uh, a Canadian, of course, Steve Nash. Uh, he uh, he played some years with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, and of course Dan Marley, the great um, uh, shooter for the Phoenix Suns. So there you have it. There is Ashton's um, uh, silver medal. 
And of course, Ashton, uh, you know, uh, it was a tough one for them too, right? Because they did reach the uh, the 2021 NBA Finals, right? Yeah. Um, but there you have it. They haven't won a championship yet, but who knows? Maybe next year. Good stuff, everybody. So now it's my time for my silver medal. And I'm actually going to go to the soccer field because my silver medal, everybody, is the Chicago Fire. That's right. The Chicago Fire, um, founded in October 1997. That's 23 years ago as a Chicago Fire soccer club, Ashton. Um, they've had a, uh, a decorated history. Uh, they currently play in the MLS. Um, t- in 2020, uh, they finished 11th overall in the Eastern Conference. They did not qualify for the playoffs. But um, there you have it, Ashton. My silver medal. That is the Chicago Fire. Over to you, Ashton, with your, with your gold medal for heat-inspired sports teams. My gold medal is the Miami Heat. Now, that is an outstanding gold medalist as well, too. Um, and, 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 I mean, of course, it takes on a Toronto Raptors significance. An yes. ode, if you will, to, um, to Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Who uh, signed on with the, with, with, with the Miami Heat. But uh, why don't you tell the fans a little bit more about the Miami Heat? Well, uh, the Miami uh, Heat were founded in 1988 and uh, their arena is the FTX Arena in Miami, Florida. Their team colors are black, red, and yellow. Uh, They've won three championships. They have won six conference titles. They have won 14 division titles and they have six retired numbers. Well, that's amazing, right? I mean, th- and those are some uh, really great street creden- or credentials too. And I mean, they've had some winning players, of course, be on, on their team, right? Uh, uh, obviously, uh, Le- LeBron James, uh, yeah. Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade, uh, of course, former Raptor. Uh, Chris Bosh was on, on the team as well, too. Um, and of course, now all-star Jimmy Butler. So, um, yeah, always a formidable team. Um, our, uh, best of guest, Eric Smith, uh, has broadcasted, uh, broadcasted a number of those great, uh, um, uh, rival games between the, uh, the Raptors and the Heat, but good pick, my, uh, my boy. That's Ashton's gold medal, the Miami Heat. Good stuff. All right. It's over to dad. For mine, for mine, you want to see, you want to add something there, Ashton. Well, uh, I cannot say how much of a great pick this is. Oh, you're you're buttering me up here, are you? Yeah, they won the Stanley Cup this year. That's right, and you actually stood next to Stanley, and so did these guys, because everybody, my gold medal for heat-inspired sports teams is the Tampa Bay Lightning. You get it, right, Ashton? Yep. Because when there's like extreme heat, uh, like lightning or thunder could come uh, the day after or uh, the same day. So uh, that is a great choice and it really relates to the heat-inspired sports teams. Well, thanks, son. Uh, So yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I mean, talk about championship pedigree. Three Stanley Cup championships back-to-back 
They first won in 2003-2004 with Vinny LeCavalier. They won um, in the, well, we we're still in COVID, everybody, but since COVID, they've, they've taken the cup twice, back-to-back, 2019-20, 2020-21. I mean, you know, they are just a solid team from the net out. Um, of course, uh, Andre Vasilevsky, um, all-world goaltender between the pipes, They've got a solid defense there, a veteran defense. Uh, of course, Victor Hedman anchors that defense. And then you look up at their forwards, Ashton. I mean, you've got Steven Stamkos, you've got uh, Nikita Kucherov, and you've got a cast of, uh, of others that can put the puck in the net. They've got a well-balanced team. They've got an outstanding coach in John Cooper. Um, so congratulations to the... Um, Tampa Bay Lightning, back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. They are my gold medalists for heat-inspired sports teams. Good stuff. Ashton, you're going to take us to break on episode 24. This ends our father-son free-for-all segment. More father-son fun talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Father-Son Fun Talk, you're listening to episode 24 of the Champs and Chums podcast. It's Dad here in the home studio, and for this segment, my chum Ashton is calling in from lovely cottage country. So thanks for joining us, Ashton. And Ashton, it's now time for a next edition of our Best Of segment. And what a championship guest we have for our fans this month. Hey, Ashton, I got two questions for you, my man. Are you ready to take it to the hoop with our best for episode 24? Sure am. Are you ready to rock the rim here on Champs and Chums? Of course. Well, our very special guest is a multi-talented sports television and sports radio star. His signature voice, on-camera presence, knowledge, passion, and hard work have seen him reach some of the highest levels of sports broadcasting in our country. He is radio play-by-play broadcaster for your Toronto Raptors. His signature voice provides fans with vivid pictures and descriptions of all the on-court action. Add Raptors television host and network analyst to his Sportsnet resume, and you have one of the most informative and entertaining Raptors broadcasters taking to the airwaves. Our special guest can shoot his shot with more than just the round ball. His deep all-sports knowledge and opinion has put him behind the mic of many host and guest appearances. Tennis, anyone? That's right. Our ace also holds court broadcasting. Game, set, and match for one of the premier tennis events on tour, the National Bank Open presented by Rogers. Among all of his outstanding accomplishments, his most worldly endeavor came when he made his Olympic broadcast debut in London 2012. There he covered every jab, cross, and hook in international boxing competition. A consummate professional, our special guest gives his valuable time and support to the charitable community. Among causes dear to his heart is his volunteer work with Hydrocephalus Canada, where he also serves as board member. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to be joined by sports television and sports radio star, Eric Smith. Eric, welcome to Champs and Chums. 
Hey guys, thanks for having me, and it's uh, great to be on the show. I, I, that's maybe the best intro I've ever had on 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 any podcast or show ever. So I appreciate all that. Thank you. Oh, E, it's uh, so nice of you to say, and so richly deserved. It's so great to reconnect after all these years and uh, and talk with you, share a mic with such a pro like you. And uh, boy, oh boy, um, Ashton and I are big fans of yours. Ashton, uh, this is a treat for him because. He's a big Raptors fan, has heard you, has seen you on the tube and obviously the airwaves. But for, for me, of course, and seeing firsthand and having an opportunity to connect with you over my pastime in sports and to, to connect again over all these years, this is an absolute treat. So thank you so much. Yeah, and th- thanks again for having me. And I've uh, I've heard about Ashton being a, a, a baller himself and an up-and-comer. So maybe I'll have the opportunity to uh, look back one day and say, you know, when, when Ashton's in the NBA or something that, uh, you know, I, I, I did one of the first interviews and he was actually interviewing me and now maybe the, the roles will be reversed and I'll be interviewing him and he's in the NBA one day or playing for the Raptors or maybe he's maybe he's not playing, but he's taking my job as the next uh, Raptors or NBA broadcaster or something. So it's uh, it's great to be on with you guys and, and certainly great to hook up with you as well, Anthony, after, uh, you know, first meeting each other. But <laughs> sad to say over. Oh, it's two decades ago. Years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two decades ago, my man. Yeah, That's so yeah, great. And yeah. Ashton, what do you think about that? Hearing that from such an accomplished broadcaster that, you know, who knows the designs and dreams you might have here with champs and chums first, maybe NBA and uh, broadcasting next. What do you think? Well, I think it's just uh, an amazing thing to say, Eric, and it might happen. You never know. <laughs> good stuff, gentlemen. Well, good stuff. Well, as I said, uh, Dad's here in the home studio. Eric's uh, settled nicely at home uh, after a busy, busy 2021 and 2020. And uh, Ashton is uh, remote from cottage country. So glad to have you on this be- best of segment. And uh, Eric, why don't we get into the opening tip of uh, of our interview? And um, you know, such an accomplished career just in the opening, um, introducing all your tremendous accomplishments uh, in sports broadcasting. I um, wonder if you can take our fans through, the listeners through, your early interest and ambitions to get into sports broadcasting. You know, it's 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 funny. I, I always I always hesitate on how to properly answer this because I try to think about the kids right now um, of uh, boys, girls, whomever, any age, whether you're in grade school, whether you're in high school, and you're kind of at that point where you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. And it's so hard to make a decision, whether you're 12, whether you're 16, whether you're 20, heck, whether you're 30 or 40, there's still some people that aren't quite sure what they want to do with their lives. And I just think, you know, Ashton and Anthony, that I was I was lucky enough that I thought at a young age that I knew what I wanted to do. And it turned out what I thought I wanted to do was indeed what I wanted to do, if that all made sense. And, 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 and it was at a young age where I think I, I recognized and realized, um, as a lot of kids probably do, again, whatever age it is, but I had that realization, as much as I love sports, as much as I enjoy playing sports, as much as I thought I was pretty good at some sports, I was not going to be a professional athlete. I wasn't good enough to play collegiately or professionally at a truly significant level. And I, and I recognized that fairly, fairly early on. But what's the next best thing? Well, man, if I could if I could work in sports somehow, if I could work for a team or or work in broadcasting, covering a team, well, wouldn't that be kind of like the the next best thing? And I think that's just where it started for me. And I, I knew 
fairly early on. And when I say fairly early, I want it was in high school. I don't know if it was really grade school. So Ashton, the fact that you're starting this as young, as young as you are, and I think that speaks to the generation and the access to technology and, and the opportunities that exist for, for so many people in today's day and age, whether it's you know, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Zoom, whether it's podcasts, whether it's social media, whatever it is, there are so many options that weren't around when I was your age, let alone when when your dad or so many others were your age. I think it's just opening up a lot of doors. But um, for me, it was kind of high school, and it was also, and I'm being totally honest here, knowing I'm not very good at math, and I don't enjoy it. Uh, I don't totally love science, but I kind of seem to enjoy English as as, as much as that probably irritate some people because other people like I don't like math and science there are people like man I hate English and I don't want to take English classes and and English history and Shakespeare and all this stuff I just kind of always enjoyed um language period uh and and I enjoyed speaking probably you could already figure out in this first answer that's extremely long and I don't even know if I've gotten to the answer yet um I just enjoy talking and I and I and I thought that if I could talk for a living if I could watch sports for a living, talk about sports for a living, how great would that be? And and growing up just as a uh, basketball fan, baseball fan, hockey fan, football fan, sports fan in general, how great would it be to one day work for? Um, this is one of the few times I'm allowed to say these three nasty letters, I suppose, and I'm I, I say that joking. Uh, how great would it be to work for TSN one day, or yeah. Sportsnet, or the Raptors, or the Blue Jays, or the Leafs, or whatever? Like it's you know the Raptors didn't even exist when I was a kid, so it, it was just just a dream to kind of work in sports. And then, as I said off the top, to have that idea in my brain that I thought I knew what I wanted to do, that led me on a path to focus on English history, geography in, in high school, more so than math and sciences and whatnot, which led me on a path towards um, ultimately in college where I decided to take a journalism course and didn't go into sort of a, a general arts or didn't get into anything other than I was focused on journalism. I'm going to work in television, radio, newspaper, something one day. I'm going to be in the media. And as it turned out when I got to college, as I said, what I thought I wanted to do turned out to be, yes, this is what I wanted to do. I, my appetite was was um, wet. My my interest was peaked. Uh, I was an average high school student, like 75, 78, you know, maybe cracked the odd 80. I was average. But when I got to college, I took off. And, and I'm not saying this arrogantly at all, but like Dean's List every year. Why? Because I was interested, because I was engaged, because I knew that I was enjoying what I was doing and what I was learning and wanted to do this. And then, uh, you know, the kind of the, the rest is history in terms of graduating and getting an internship, which became a part time job, which became a full time job. And then just the gradual progression over the years. But I think the hardest thing uh, for every person is just making that decision or coming to that conclusion as to what do I want to do? And then finding out along the way, oh boy, this is not what I wanted to do. This is not what I want to do the rest of my life. Or, fingers crossed, this is what I want to do. And I can see myself doing this. And I do see myself making a career of this and making a, uh, a life uh, of this. Um, and, and, and how difficult is it to come to that conclusion and to make that type of choice? And that's the greatest challenge I think that we all have. Sorry for the very, very, very long answer. Oh, not at all. Some real fascinating insights from our best of guests. And, you know, um, 
uh, we are so glad, the nations of, nation of Eric Smith fans, that you landed in sports broadcasting. Because, you know, um, E, I can just hear it in, in your description, and, and, and our fans are going to hear this, our listeners, in terms of the passion you feel about what you do. We talk a lot about it on Champs and Chums, about, you know, believing in yourself, uh, having goals, setting goals, applying yourself, putting in the work. I mean, stuff you hear, obviously, on the court with the the, the great work in sports you do, but you can apply that in so many facets of life. And um, I, I uh, you know, you, you've, you uh, are such a model of, of making your discipline an art form in, in broadcasting. And I, I heard that so clearly in the answer. And what I also appreciate, and uh, yes, we go back in the day, I mean, the access and the opportunity you mentioned for, for young kids to kind of get into that world of broadcasting, it's just taken off with, uh, you know, um, podcasting and such. It really has. And, and it's, it's, it's given the opportunity to hone the skills, um, that didn't exist before as well. And, and that's where, like, I acknowledge in all of this, that there is an element of, of luck Mm -hmm. that comes with where I am even to this day. Um, you know, if I, if I, if I, if I go back to where it truly all started and, Anthony, you said it when I first started. So I finished school, uh, graduating the journalism program at Humber. And the way the program at Humber was set up, uh, again, college versus university, a three-year program versus a four-year program traditionally that you get in university. But the program at Humber, at least at the time, and I still think it's this way, if I'm not mistaken, they sort of set it up a little bit like a, a university program in that you you picked a major, quote unquote, for lack of a better term. The first year of the program, it was all journalism. It was all aspects of journalism where you would learn a little bit about newspaper writing, magazine writing, editing. I had a photography class. I had to even work in a, in a dark room and, and processing my own pictures and all that stuff. Mm. But then there was there was also um, radio and television and, and whether it be on mic, on camera, but also behind the scenes. So you were getting a taste of everything. Um, but then you had to pick your major and your major being either print or broadcast. And I chose broadcast. So now all of my training going forward, I wouldn't be getting the newspaper, the magazine, the editing, that type of thing in print. It was all radio and television classes. So it was all broadcast. And that further honed my skills in terms of focusing on the broadcast world. But I didn't have the opportunity back then, other than unless I was plugging a microphone into a into a boom box or That's a tape right. recorder, yeah. right? We didn't have, oh, just stick the mic into the computer and fire up, uh, <laughs> you know, and just start a Zoom and do a do a podcast and, you know, upload it to YouTube. And maybe I have five listeners or maybe I have 5,000 listeners or viewers or whatever. That didn't exist. Yeah. So your time to truly hone your skills came during school, during classes in college, or if you were smart enough, and I wasn't, to maybe do some of that stuff in high school, or if you you know, were lucky enough to have a high school radio station, my high school didn't. So again, a lot of the stuff was being, those skills were being honed in class time, or just on your own. Maybe you're making a mixtape, and Ashton probably has no idea what we're talking about right Not now. Not at all. But make, <laughs> making a making a mixtape for your uh, buddies or your girlfriend or just for yourself and introing songs or pretending like you're a DJ or working for the campus radio station. Or then, if you were lucky enough to get an internship or get a part-time job, it was 
taking time at the beginning of your shift, the end of your shift to, to go into a side studio, to do some practice stuff, to do a practice show, or would you potentially get lucky enough to be thrown on the air at four o'clock in the morning on a Sunday night where you were given three minutes to say something into a microphone with a host that was working. You just picked and choose and took advantage of whatever opportunities either presented themselves or that you created for yourself by putting in the extra time and the extra work. Now, and I'm not, I'm not trying to imply that it's easy now. It's not easy at all. You guys are proof of it, the hard work that you're putting in, taking time out of your days away from your jobs, your school, your sports, your friends to do a show and to take the time and you've probably invested money in computers and microphones and technology to do something that you're passionate about, but it still takes time and you're putting in the reps to, 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 to make sure that podcast 24 is better than podcast 12 and 12 was better than three, et cetera. And it's just putting in that time and getting those reps and those reps in that time. I just think that's where today's generation has the opportunity to hone those skills and then also to maybe reach a different audience. And when I say audience, that audience can also sometimes be not just friends and family that are trying to be supportive listening to your podcast. It could be people literally around the world that hear about you and they take an interest in what you're doing. Or it could be your future boss, a future employer, a future co-host, somebody, a, a future advertiser. Suddenly what you're reaching and who you're reaching is far greater than anything that I would have had. And I will say, Anthony and Ashton, that the vast majority of everything I just said is absolutely positive and good. I do think the – I don't want to say danger because let's be real. We're just talking about broadcasting here. We're not talking about rocket science or, or brain surgery. But the – for lack of a better term, the danger, the hesitancy that I have in being – 100% positive, even if even if I'm just eh, 2 or 5% negative, the one thing I do say that's a little bit bad is at times it does feel like it has maybe um, um, maybe weakened the broadcast world to some degree or, or weakened the product overall because – some people believe like, oh, well, anybody can have a podcast now. Oh, anybody can host a radio mm -hmm. show. Oh, anybody anybody can just go on television. Now you just turn the video camera on on my phone and, oh, I can do that. And I think it, it has sort of um, weakened the respect that um, some people have, not everybody, but that some people have for those that actually were trained as uh, videographers, camera people, photographers, reporters, writers – broadcasters, editors, et cetera, those that actually have, have put in the time and honed the skills as opposed to somebody that's just sort of doing it on their own. There are some that are doing it on their own that I'm sure are better, far better than even people that went to school for it. But I do think uh, the line I used to use from time to time is that, you know, an internet connection and a computer or an internet connection and an opinion does not suddenly make you an expert. You know, but I think chat rooms and 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 message boards and blogs have have um, given some people the platform uh, to just feel like they can say do anything they want, and they can. But I don't know that it necessarily holds the same clout or the same weight uh, if it's not done properly and um, uh, um, respectfully and as polished as it might get in in more traditional forums. I don't know if I said that properly, if that made sense, but I, cause there are some fantastic, fantastic, um, independent bloggers, podcasters, writers out there. I just think that sometimes, uh, the product can be, uh, 
not as um, as good as as maybe some others intend it to be. No, you're absolutely right, 100% on that. And uh, yeah, I mean, as I said, I mean, it is an art form. You do that. You're so best in class. And and boy, oh boy, some great insights already from our best of guests. And we're just at opening tip. Um, uh, Eric, I wanted to, uh, through this tremendous journey and, and the passion that all our, our listeners hear about uh, your, your entry and, and, and your rise in sports broadcasting, we talk a lot on Champs and Chums about mentorship and how important a role that plays in, um, it doesn't matter the discipline or the art form. It could be sports, life, or friendship. But uh, can you can you talk a bit about and identify uh, with our listeners some of the mentors who helped you along to build that success as a broadcaster and a person on and off the air? Well, I, I tell you, I could probably give you an hour on this answer, Ashton and Anthony, because I, I've been lucky enough to have so many mentors and it speaks to, uh, you know, a little blurb I, I probably should have expanded on my last answer when I talked about a certain element of luck. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to forget a, a lot of the de- – well, not forget. I'm probably going to glaze over some of the details to try and make my answer a little bit shorter on this one because I know I've given you two monster answers so far. No, no, but it's part great. Of, part of what got me to where I am right now, I, again, I'm saying for the second or third time here, is a certain element of luck. And, and here's what I mean by that. It, and, and Anthony, you might remember some of this in Ashton. You know, this may be the first time for you kind of hearing some of these names or some of these steps along the way. But I graduate from college uh, out of the journalism program. And during my last year, while still in school, I started at the Fan 590, or now known as Sportsnet 590, the Fan. And within just a few months of that internship, I got hired part time. So I was now being paid while still going to school, and I was actually working for the radio station. And while working part-time, very shortly after getting that part-time job, I was offered a full-time job. And I was not even six months out of school and already working full-time in my industry. Part of that was, and I say this free of arrogance, hopefully because I was proving that I was pretty good at my job and that I was a capable person, but I also think part of it was opportunity, right place, right time, in that I started at the fan as Headline Sports was starting up. Now, Ashton, you might not remember Headline Sports, but Headline Sports was the third major sports network in Canada. There was TSN, there was Sportsnet, there was Headline Sports. Headline Sports started up trying to compete with Sportsnet and TSN. Well, what do they need to do? Brand new station, they need to fill their various roles, reporters, hosts, camera people, editors, producers, directors, et cetera, et cetera. So what do they do? They go to TSN, they go to Sportsnet, they go to the fan, they go to the open market in terms of the employment market. They try to hire people away. And the fan lost a bunch of people. Let's I'm, I'm throwing an arbitrary number. Let's say they lost six people. Well, they replaced those six with three. I just was happened to be lucky enough to be right place, right time, that I was one of those three. Um, because I had been around now for, you know, six, seven months, and let's throw this guy in as a producer. I wasn't starting as an on-air host. I wasn't a reporter, but let's bring him in as a producer. Well, suddenly I have a chance to produce for one of the most popular hosts at the station and one of the more recognizable hosts at the station and arguably in the city who just so happens to be the former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Gord Stellick. So now I have a chance to learn under Gord as his producer, let alone the fact that my boss, the program director of the station, is Nelson Millman. Right. Well, Nelson Millman ends up being my boss for over a decade. So as I transition, and again, I'm kind of you know, jumping a few steps here, but 
as I transition a few years into my career from being a full-time producer, basically booking guests and helping formulate a show each day for Gord, I now transition into on-air and the on-air stuff, um, hosting, reporting, things like that, ends up transitioning into my role with the Raptors because the Fan 590 acquired the Raptors broadcast rights from CFRB, 1010 on the on the AM dial. CFRB had the rights for the first three years of the Raptors' existence. The Fan has had the rights either fully or shared with TSN Radio since then. So for the last, you know, almost 25 years, the Raptors have been on the fan. Well, what happens? Three years into the Raptors existence, suddenly are on the fan. The fan 590 hires at the time for the Canadian market, for the Toronto market, a relatively unknown voice, Chuck Swirsky and Jack Armstrong. And I get hired to become the co-host of the pre half and post game show alongside Barry Davis. And I transition out of producing for Gord. After one year of broadcasting with Barry, with Chuck and Jack on the call, Barry decides to leave to pursue other opportunities in broadcasting. I take over full-time on my own now, pre-half post with Chuck and Jack still, and I'm 25 years old. So I'm now suddenly in the NBA in a full-time job doing pre-half and post. I'm only 25 years old, and I have a chance to be mentored by two of the all-time greats in the city's history, let alone Raptors history, in Chuck Swirsky and Jack Armstrong after having already worked with Gord for two or three years and still having Nelson as my boss, who's the one that hired me to become the pre-half post guy. And when Chuck and Jack leave after seven years and transition into full-time television broadcasting, and I get hired to transition into the broadcast of the actual play-by-play and color analysis of the Raptors, which Chuck and Jack were doing, I now not only get to work with Paul Jones, but I'm hired to do that job by who? Nelson Millman. Mm. So, I think Nelson, certainly a mentor, let alone a, 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 a father figure and a boss and everything else. Chuck, Jack, uh, Gord, uh, and then over the years, working alongside Paul, working alongside Matt Devlin, who took over for Chuck, still working with Jack. Jack, I'll tell you a quick story just as a mentor. Jack is one of my closest friends. Um, and, and to the, like, he's, he's, he's a guy that I would, you know, I, 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 I would do anything for Jack. I'd take a bullet for Jack. He's one of my closest friends. Uh, um, I think he's, he's, he's uncle Jack to my son. Uh, that's how he knows Jack. It's uncle Jack. Um, but also Jack married my wife and I like literally, um, uh, not to get too, uh, uh, far off the, the, the path here, Anthony and Ashton, but I'm not an overly religious guy. Uh, so when my wife and I got uh, decided to get married, and we we actually just had our 15th anniversary this past summer, well, about uh, thank you, thank you, about uh, a little more than six weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, when we got married, we got married outside in a park with a justice of the peace, not a not a priest or nothing, not anything affiliated with a church. It was just a a justice of the peace. Well, I found out, and Ashen, this is something you don't have to worry about for years and years and years and years and years, <laughs> but I found out you don't need to have the justice of the peace do the entire ceremony. They literally just have to say the, by the power invested in me, I now pronounce you man and wife. That's literally all they have to do. That's the only legal thing they need to do other than signing the marriage document. So I said, well, I don't want some man or woman that I don't even know then performing the ceremony. Like let's get somebody we know that somebody that we, we, that we, we like that we love that somebody is close to us, somebody that knows us well, who speaks well, who, who, who can, 
kind of engage our our family and our friends, our quote unquote audience that's here at our wedding. That uh, it, you know, that's going to be memorable. So we asked Jack. Jack, what do you think about standing up and and speaking for us and and marrying us and and whatever? And he's like, oh, I'd be honored, be my pleasure. So Jack, you'll see our wedding pictures. Every single one of our wedding pictures, it's my wife and I as you know, a typical traditional wedding picture. And instead of in the middle where you may normally see a lot of times a a priest or a rabbi or somebody affiliated with whatever church, whatever denomination or religion you follow, this was the justice of the peace and my friend Jack who. Most people would just, oh, my God, it's Jack Armstrong. So uh, and Jack stood up there and, hey, you know, welcome to, you know, the marriage of Eric and Shannon and da, 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 da. And he told a story about love and what love means to him and what his marriage means to him. And then he's the one that did the whole, Eric, do you take this woman? And, uh, you know, you know, Shannon, do you take this man and 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 kiss the bride and all this stuff? But Jack did all of that. The Justice of the Peace just literally stepped in. I now pronounce you man and wife. And that was it. So when we talk about mentors and 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 people that have been instrumental in uh, my career, let alone in my life, uh, I'm again repeating myself, but Gord, Chuck, Jonesy, Nelson, uh, George Strombolopoulos, who I worked with very early on, Spider Jones, another guy who I worked with early on, that those guys were instrumental in, in mentoring me and helping me along the way. But I'd be... I'd be lying if I didn't say that to this day that Jack Armstrong wasn't uh, one of those people who I still look at as a mentor uh, in life, let alone in my career. Oh, amazing. And uh, our listeners are, are are hearing a legend here and our best of guest and you uh, speaking about other legends. So some household names when it comes to uh, the sports broadcasting and sports entertainment world indeed. Um Good stuff. Uh, well, I'm going to turn the this best of segment, which has turned into an extra best of segment with our best of guest, Eric Smith. I'm going to turn it over to my chum, Ashton, who's got some questions used for, for you uh, remotely from Cottage Country. Ashton, take it away. Eric, you've had an outstanding success in your sports broadcasting career. Can you please share some of your personal career highlights? Yeah, Ashton, I'll tell you what, I've, I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to have uh, a, a, a lot of memorable moments along the way. But um, the one that comes top of mind more than anything, and I'm sure you'll remember this quite well. I don't know where you were with your dad, uh, probably at home. And I sure as heck hope he let you stay up to, to watch he the did. whole thing. He did. He, uh, yeah, he good, did. <laughs> good. Because you know what I'm about to say, then it's uh, it's the Raptors winning the championship. Um it just is, you know, it's only a couple of years old. That's maybe a little bit of recency bias because, you know, you mentioned in the intro calling the Olympic Games in 2012, the men's boxing and and uh, and all the various uh, hosting opportunities I've had to do in TV and radio over the years. And I've had the the honor and the pleasure and the the um, uh, just the luck uh, of, of interviewing some of the best athletes and coaches and celebrities, uh, you know, people that I've met over the years. It's just been an it's been an honor and and a privilege to, to do so, but it's hard to top uh, calling game six of the NBA finals in Golden State in Oakland and and knowing that I've got just a, a tiny little piece of history where I got to call the Raptors winning their first ever championship game and and uh, to know that I again I was I was a little part of that history and 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 and, and Ashton that entire playoff run as well um, whether I was working the Sportsnet TV broadcast or the Fan 590, Sportsnet 590, the Fan radio broadcast, uh, calling the game, you know, doing post-game interviews with Kyle Lowry uh, after the Raptors advanced to the NBA Finals and, and, and interviewing him on the floor uh, on TV while he's holding his two sons 
uh, both of whom I believe are, well, at least one of them for sure, younger than you. And just sharing that moment with his sons, with his family and the, the joy and the pride that he had in knowing that he was going to a finals for the first time, let alone that he was sharing that with his kids and all that. Those were great moments. There's so many, uh, you know, talking to DeMar DeRozan after he scored 50 plus for the first time when he was still a member of the Raptors and, um, you know, getting a chance to, to talk to Magic Johnson and Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan and all these people are this. It's all incredible. But to the game six first ever championship for the Toronto Raptors and then to be in the locker room afterwards in the champagne shower and then just uh, less than a week later to be on the double-decker buses in Toronto, interviewing the players and riding the buses with the players and knowing that I was one of just a few hundred people, a handful of people that had the ability, the opportunity to be on those buses looking out at the millions, literally Two, millions It must have been like 2.5 million, a sea it of was, people or something. Uh, uh, Anthony, Anthony Ashen, and Anthony, I'll, I'll make sure I clean this up for your listeners and for your son as well as I would for my own son. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I'm, 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 the amount of times on that bus where I just looked out and said to myself, holy blank, I yeah. couldn't believe, I couldn't believe the walls, the sea of people. When we, Ash, and I, I know you've been to track, I, I saw a video you did, you know, um, promoting this podcast. So I know you've been down to Scotiabank Arena many times and been downtown many times. I don't know if you know all the street names, but when we came up university or, um, well, York University. So when we came up York uh, from Lakeshore, so Lakeshore, and we're you know creeping, crawling, super slow in those buses up past Bremner where Scotiabank Arena is, and then under the underpass there by by uh, Union Station. Then we got up to Front Street, and then you start getting to those to those next uh, sort of east-west streets where you know you've got Wellington and Adelaide and Queen and King, whatever. And every time we got to one of those streets, and I would look to my left or right. And I was seeing people city blocks deep, like not just that you're looking from university, not just that bay. I could see people at young, like city blocks deep. They're way the heck away from where the actual parade route is and where the trophy is and where the players are. And they were still just doing everything they could to cram into every little corner of whatever tiny piece of real estate of downtown Toronto that they could get their feet planted on so that they could be a part of history. So to kind of, Again, nothing's going to top game six, but the entire playoff run and and even just that sort of game six victory to the parade, those moments, like even if they win it again, which I hope they do, I hope they win it many more times. And I, I would I would be honored to be involved in so many more of those opportunities and, 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 and memories and history. But I can't imagine that the second, third or tenth is going to top the first like it was amazing and it will go down as my number one for sure. Eric, what were some of the greatest lessons and words of advice you've shared with your son? And what are some of the greatest lessons and words of advice your son has shared with you? Uh, I love the second part of that question. Um, and I'll, I'll answer that in a second. But the, the, the best thing that I think I can say that the lessons that I've tried to instill with my son, and I think your dad would probably say the same thing, is is I'm a big big believer. Well, actually, one one other thing hit me as I was <laughs> as I was talking about this. I'll tell you, Ashton, I'm a big 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 believer in eye contact. And I don't know if that's a lesson necessarily, but it's 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 a pet peeve of mine. Where and I would I would I would do it to you if we were doing this podcast in person. 
you know, I'd be looking you in the eye because I think eye contact, it shows that you're engaged in a conversation, that you're interested in what somebody's saying, but that you're also respecting what somebody's saying and, and taking time to uh, respect that person's time if they're taking the time to speak to you. Uh, um, you know, some, sometimes even if it means that they're speaking a little bit louder and they're yelling or if they're actually talking calmly or they're, they're telling you a joke or they're trying to give you a life lesson like, you know, we're talking about right now. I'm a big, big believer in eye contact and I've tried to instill that in my son no matter who he meets, no matter who he's talking to, eye contact, eye contact, eye contact. But beyond that, um, honestly, it's, it's hard work and it's trying your best to say no to nothing, or at least to very little, because I think you have to try. And, and, and that's a lesson that I need to be reminded of too. And, and honestly, I think this applies to everything. We can get real serious about whether it's schoolwork, whether it's going on a roller coaster, whether it's taking a chance on something or someone whether it's adding more work to your plate, taking on more challenges, recognizing that that extra work or hard work might be needed, whether it's taking something off someone else's plate to, to lessen the burden on them to make their life a little bit easier, whatever it may be, try to say no, never, or very few times. Make it not as often as you say yes. And listen, there are exceptions to the rule. Don't ever put yourself in a position where you're doing something against the law. Clearly, you're saying no to something like that. That should be an obvious. Uh, don't ever put yourself in harm's way where you're going to hurt yourself. Definitely say no to things like that. Definitely say no to strangers. That's an obvious as well. I'm talking about more things, life, school, challenges, experiences, things like that, that, that might better you as a person, better you as a friend, as a, as a son, as a husband, as a boyfriend or girlfriend, as a student, as a worker, as a boss, whatever. Uh, I think trying to uh, take on more things and keeping your mind open to uh, new things and different challenges, uh, I think can only be a good thing. And, and, and that's something I've tried to instill in my son. Uh, and listen, does he, does he succeed in that all the time? No. Does he fail sometimes? Yes. Uh, but does he try more often than not? And does he does he listen more often than that? Yes, I think he does. And I think that uh, the second part of your question, what he has taught me and lessons he's taught me, um, in spite of what your dad has said about me a couple times already in this podcast, and it's very kind of him to say this, and I appreciate it. Um, uh, I think that I can be my wife. If my wife was 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 on the line right now, she'd probably. <laughs> Uh, definitely say this. I think that I like to say that Ashton, I'm a, I think you've heard this expression before that you, people talk about being pessimistic or, um, being optimistic. So basically being negative or positive. I like to say that I'm realistic. I, 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 I kind of see the bad and I see the good. And I kind of think that more often than not, most things fall somewhere in the middle. There's probably going to be some bad. There's probably going to be some good. And I'm somewhere in the middle. And being in the middle, certain days, I definitely lean towards being more negative, more pessimistic. Other days, maybe I lean to be more positive and more optimistic. And my wife would say, no chance. You are way more negative. You are way more pessimistic. You need to be more positive and more optimistic. And I think that's my, my son has 
tried to teach me that. And even if he's not actually teaching me with words, I think his actions and the way that he lives his life and the good person that he is and the, the, the good friend that he is and the way that, that he's kind of carries himself daily. Um, I don't want to sound cheesy about this, but he truly does. Um, even without saying a word, there are days where I just look at him and go, man, I need to be a better person. I need to be a nicer person. I need to be not as negative. And it's been really tough this last year and a half through the pandemic and everything that you've been through, Ashton, your dad and your family and all your friends and that I've been through, that the world's been through, trying to stay positive and trying to not be negative and trying to find the silver lining, all that. I admit it's been very difficult. Uh, and if we can get those reminders from our kids or from our parents or from somebody special in our life, if there's somebody there that can can serve to um, um, be that that sort of reminder for us, that light for us, uh, I think that's important. And I know that I need to remind myself of that because um, I, I know for a fact you, this this might not, this might sound all great and positive. And and again, your dad said lots of nice things about me, but um, there's no denying that I can be a jerk sometimes, too. And I can I can yell and I can raise my voice and I can be a, a crusty guy to be around. And I'm sure my kid would probably say the same thing. My son would say, man, yeah, my dad, he can be a real, you know, blank sometimes. <laughs> and and and. Uh, you know, we all have our dark days and I need to be reminded of, of uh, how important it is to, to, to stay positive and to, to be uh, more upbeat than negative and, and make sure that that carries uh, into my life and my personal life and certainly into my job as well. Because that's the other thing, too, to bring it back to professional, not that my personal life isn't important, too. I, I, I don't want to just take care of the audience and then just kind of let out all my frustrations on my family. But I know I sure as heck can't let up my frustrations on the listeners and the viewers and the audience because I have to be a professional and do my job. I can't bring – if I'm having a bad day, I can't bring that to the to the broadcast, radio or TV. Uh, if I'm tired, I can't bring that to the broadcast. I have to have the energy because I always have to act as if somebody's listening for the first time. You have a job to do. This is what you were hired to do, and so you got to go do it. And I think that that's where, again, I would say my, my son helps me to kind of – keep that positive mindset or, or, or remind me when I need to bring it and, uh, and, and remind me sometimes how, how lucky I am to do what I do. And, and he's the one that actually is better at saying, it's okay, dad, you've been gone for a week, or it's okay, dad, you were on a 14 day road trip. I still love you. Or we can still talk on the phone or we can still video chat again, technology that makes things a lot easier, uh, to, to kind of, uh, lessen the burden of, of missing family time or knowing that I've got to share my time with the audience that maybe some people don't have to do as much in a traditional sort of nine to five type job. Great perspective. Uh, tremendous father, son, fun talk. You're listening to episode 24 of the champs and chums podcast. This is our best of segment. We're speaking with sports television and sports radio star, Eric Smith. And Eric, you, you were touching on, on that and some tr tremendous insights, personal stories with the listeners. Um, you know, and I know this from past time in sports and even you and your elevated career and, and how busy you are. I mean, 82 game schedule with the with the Raptors traveling all the time. And then, of course, you have the preparations that you do, because I know you're a pro in terms of all the other sports you broadcast, including tennis and, and all the other appearances and and show hosting duties you have. The value of family and fatherhood, you just talked about that. Um, how do you balance family time with such a very, very busy career being a sports broadcaster? 
Yeah, it, it's it it's not always easy, uh, Anthony. But I will say I've been very lucky, very lucky um, that I have uh, you know I have an extremely extremely uh, kind, generous, thoughtful uh, wife. I mean, I could go on with the adjectives, verbs, nouns to describe how great she's been um, and how flexible she's been uh, in terms of locking down uh, the, the, you know, being the, the primary parent uh, for eight months of the year and all that comes with it, the good and the bad uh, and the, the at-home snuggles and the taxis all over the city, you know, taking our son here, there and everywhere. Um, so she's, she's been an incredible partner. Um, so I, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without her. And she's also the one that, that often has to, I shouldn't say has to, has to sometimes, yes, wants to, and, 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 and finds the time to make sure that even if I'm not around, she's still representing us as a unit, as a family at, uh, birthday parties and, and holidays and various family and friends celebrations, even if I can't be there. So she's been the rock and she's the one that handles so many of these things for us as a family unit to be very personal. Um, I kind of made a decision fairly early on. Uh, and, and it was a decision that, uh, was a conversation for a long time with my wife and I about, um, just wanting one child. And I, and I, part of it was because of, I felt that I already missed a ton of time with my son. I didn't want to miss time with more than one. Um, and as much as it would, it would have been maybe nice for, for me or especially for my wife to have two kids or three kids or whatever, or for those that had the ability to have more kids, whatever. Cause I know some people even struggle with that. Um, I just felt like, how can I maximize my time with my wife? How can I maximize my time with my son? How can I maximize my time with my wife and my son? How can I maximize my time with them, but also know that I still need to make some time for myself and my close friends and my parents and extended family and in-laws and everything else? How am I going to make time for all of that when I'm on the road or working for anywhere from eight to 10 months of the year and gone for three days, six days, nine days, 12 days, 15 days, gone for long stretches, road trips, even when I'm home, I'm working, I'm down at the arena. That's the other thing. I may not be traveling, but I'm not home either because I'm down at Scotiabank Arena calling a game uh, when, you know, most people, again, traditionally might work a nine to five type job. Then they come home, they have their evenings with their family, their weekends with their family. Well, most of my evenings and weekends are spent at the arena. So I'm at home alone when they're in school or at their jobs. And then when they're coming home from school or their jobs, I'm leaving for my job. So even when I'm yeah. home, I don't see them a whole ton. So it was really the balance of thinking, honestly, having one kid has made it a little bit more um, uh, reasonable to balance things out and to know that I'm, I'm lucky enough that when the summertime comes, in spite of, yeah, there's some boxing, yes, there's some tennis, whatever, I do have a good chunk of the summertime off where I can kind of play catch up and, and, and make up the time that I've lost. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have a partner that was as strong as my wife is to be able to handle so much of the stuff during the season. And then I honestly have a lot of understanding family, but also friends that know that, hey, as much as it's important for me to get that time with my buddies uh, and to, you know, go have a beer from time to time or get out to have some guy time or whatever, they know that my family comes first because I don't see my family as much. So if I've got an opportunity to ha actually have an evening off or dare I say a weekend off, which is extremely rare, That's right. chances are chances are my wife and kid are taking precedent before anybody else. And, um, they just have to kind of accept that and understand that. And if they don't, well, 
sorry, you know? Yeah, yeah, tremendous insights. And yeah, I mean, I think that's such a great perspective for the listeners, right? I mean, you know, with all the lights, camera, action, and, and you behind the mic, and, and, and a lot of people have this... Uh, perspective that it's you know it's 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 a lot of glory it's a lot of legend but it, it's grueling and uh you know it's really great for you to share that story and uh about family in a family unit we are a family of three as well uh, too and uh, a nice trio ourselves and uh, ashton's a number one kid and 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 i i, I hear hear you and and i i agree with you like check 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 when you, you you talk with the listeners about um sort of rationale and reasons why trying to maximize and, and going deep in a number of areas in life and so really great to hear that perspective eric it's it's honestly something anthony that i again I'm not here to judge anybody good or bad people's lives, their decisions. That's, that's, that's their call to make that. I fully respect everybody's decisions, whatever it is that they do have kids, have no kids, have five kids, have whatever it may be. I just think for us and listen, who knows if it would have worked out this way or planned this way. Cause you know, best laid plans don't always work out. I just think that it is afforded our family to have that time with each other that I just don't know if it would have been spread too thin. And, and, and listen, I say that knowing that many of my broadcast uh, partners and, and colleagues and whatnot have two, three, four children. So everybody's different. Everybody's, uh, everybody's lives are different. Um, and, and, and there is no right or wrong decision when it comes to who you marry or when you marry them or how many kids you have. It's just a matter of can you make it work? Do you make it work? And how do you make it work? And, and, and just seeing what's best for you from there. And I, you know, that, that maybe sounds like a very, uh, kind of, you know, very happy go lucky puppies and rainbows, fluffy type answer. But I really think it's, it's honestly the truth that, you know, there's not one right decision for everybody. It's just what's right for you and for your family unit. hundred percent. Thanks so much. Uh, Ashton, uh, my chum Ashton has got, uh, some more questions for our best of guest, Eric Smith. Eric, who are your favorite athletes of all time and why? All right, Mashton, you, and you're talking about my my favorite athlete, not not people I've talked to or interviewed, but just like as a fan, my favorite athletes, right? Yeah. Okay. So when I was a kid, um, and I told this story recently uh, because his f- son is now a broadcaster for the San Diego Padres, and he's a former Major League Baseball player. Uh, but Tony Gwynn, who unfortunately passed away a number of years ago, but Tony Gwynn Ashton was one of the great baseball players of all time. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, some to this day would consider him the greatest hitter of all time. Not necessarily home run hitter because he wasn't always about the power, but the greatest contact hitter of all time. And as a kid, I liked the Blue Jays and still do. But there was something about Tony Gwynn. And even back in the 80s before satellite TV and, and, and being able to you know, get any cable television Major League Baseball package to watch any team in any city anywhere like you can now, Ashton, I don't know how the heck I became a San Diego Padres fan other than just Tony Gwynn. I loved seeing Tony Gwynn highlights and just thought he was a beautiful hitter to watch. And he's the reason why when I played baseball a ton as a kid, and I played baseball more than any other sport. Baseball and basketball were my primary sports, but baseball was clear, a clear number one. I played four years of high school baseball and played in front of some scouts who ultimately decided that I was not good enough to ever be collegiate or professional or anything. But at least I know I can say I played in front of a few scouts at one point. Um, Tony Gwynn was the reason that I wore number 19. 
Um, and, and to this day, if I have a chance to play in a men's league or, or any time to put on a jersey, if they ask me what my number is or what number I want, number 19 for Tony Gwynn. But my other guy, which with due respect to Tony Gwynn, um, I, I think that 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 um, example I made of of Tony Gwynn was because I loved baseball so much. But my number one favorite athlete ever was Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson wore number 32 for the Los Angeles Lakers. And if I couldn't wear number 19, I actually wore, follow me here, Ashton. I actually wore number 23. Now, a lot of people thought I was wearing 23 because of Michael Jordan. That wasn't the case. I was wearing 23 because I thought nobody else should wear 32. That's Magic's number. He's the greatest ever. And I love Magic Johnson. And I'm not going to disrespect Magic by wearing 32. So I'm just going to flip the number and wear 23. So everybody in the sort of, you know, late 80s and certainly 90s and into 2000s, anytime I put on a 23, oh, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. to Jordan, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I love Jordan, too. He's fantastic. But it was because I was actually paying tribute paying homage to magic johnson and i'm i'm, I'm doing this interview right now uh staring at a, a a big autograph picture that i have of magic johnson on one wall that my wife bought for me years ago for one of my birthdays and then on another wall i've got a picture and it's not even autograph but it's a picture of me and magic standing next to each other outside staples center in los angeles uh a couple of years ago because my broadcast partner my friend paul jones has actually gotten to know Magic a little bit over the years through his brother, Mark Jones. That's right. Who broadcasts for ESPN and ABC in the States. And so Mark introduced his brother, Paul Jonesy, to Magic years ago. So now Jonesy's gotten to know Magic, and now Jonesy's introduced me to Magic, and I got this picture of Magic. So Magic Johnson is my number one guy. Uh, and then I'll tell you another <laughs> not-so-quick story. Uh, so Tony Gwynn, number 19, Magic Johnson, but Wayne Gretzky. I mean, Ashton... As much as I loved baseball and basketball, I had Wayne Gretzky wallpaper, Wayne Gretzky drapes, Wayne Gretzky bed sheets, Wayne Gretzky pillowcases, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky. And I was extremely, extremely, extremely lucky, like total, total fluke. Like Ashton, who's give me one of your favorite athletes right now or of all time. What's who's one of your favorites? Uh Probably in this era, Austin Matthews. Okay, Austin Matthews. All right, so picture this. Pretend for a second that your neighbor, you wherever you live, your neighbor, four doors up from you, okay? Mm-hmm. Your mom and dad are, are like best friends with those neighbors, okay? The, the, the mom and dad, whoever lives four doors up, your mom and dad are best friends with those neighbors. And yeah. you, you're really good friends with those neighbors' kids as well. You guys are all friends. The moms and dads, the kids, you're all friends, and you all hang out, and you all you know, go away to cottages together or have backyard barbecues together. You're really close, right? You're two families, okay? Yeah. That's what I had when I grew up with Wayne Gretzky's aunt and uncle and cousins. Wow. So wow. my neighbors four doors up were Wayne Gretzky's aunt and uncle, and Wayne Gretzky's first cousins. And as a result, there were a few years when I was a really younger than you, Ashton, where Wayne came to visit his cousins and came to visit his aunt and uncle. 
And I got to meet Wayne a couple of times, and I got to play road hockey with Wayne a couple of times. I was just going to ask that, Eric. Yeah, there we, must we have played. been a road hockey yep. game that busted yep. out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was. There was. So, yeah. And, and I, I went to the Gretzky family house in Brantford, and I saw the, 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 the trophy room in the basement and met Wayne's dad, Walter, and his mom, Phyllis, and, and met his brothers and sisters and played baseball in the backyard with them and all this stuff. Like It was like incredibly lucky as a young kid to know – that I had this sort of loose connection to Wayne Gretzky and uh, his aunt, my neighbor from time to time would bring home uh, like when, when, when a player wins um, the heart trophy for the MVP or the lady Bing, the sportsmanship uh, trophy or the art Ross, all these various NHL awards, they get like replica mini replica versions of these trophies to take home and put on their, their, their bookshelves, their mantles, whatever. So, uh, his aunt often would bring home the the puck from this game, the stick from that game, the trophy from this award ceremony, the whatever, whatever. And I got to see all this memorabilia and try it on or hold it or take pictures with it or whatever. And I actually have, I just talked about my little office here, uh, my, my picture of Magic Johnson. That was purchased. That was my wife bought that for me, the autograph picture. But I have sitting in the corner over there an autograph stick from Wayne Gretzky that he gave to his aunt one time and said, Hey, give it to that neighbor kid down the, down the street, that kid, Eric, that I've met a few times, give him one of my sticks. So I've got a Wayne Gretzky autograph stick that, that he gave to me. And my, my, and I say this, I know you shouldn't use this word, I guess, Ashen, but my stupid brother was a Montreal Canadiens fan and liked, <laughs> liked Guy Lafleur and never, never came around on Gretzky or the Oilers or anything. So my brother's got nothing but Wayne took care of me. And I'll tell you, let's go back to your other question, but one of my great memories during the uh, Raptors championship run, if I'm not mistaken, it was game five in Toronto. I, I, in fact, I'm almost positive it was game five. If it wasn't game five, then it was game two. Either way, it was one of the finals games in Toronto. I was working TV sidelines for that game. And before the game, about an hour before tip off, I'm walking around the sidelines, wandering around, just kind of, you know, taking in the crowd and getting ready to for the game to start and whatever. And I look over and Ashton, normally, normally the quote unquote celebrities, you know, the athletes, the movie stars, the actors and actresses, the, the famous people that show up to the game. They don't normally they don't normally show up till like five minutes before the game or sometimes even five minutes after the game. They don't really show up early. For some reason, an hour before tip-off, I look over, and there's Wayne Gretzky standing courtside at the Raptor game, and he's wow. with some friend of his. So before my producer has even said anything in my little earpiece that I wear, almost almost instantaneous, I'm starting to walk towards Wayne Gretzky, and I hear my producer go, uh, hey, Wayne Gretzky's over there. You should go. I'm like, I'm already on it. I'm on it. <laughs> so I'm walking over, and he was talking to his friend, and I stood there like just about two feet from him for – what seemed like 10 minutes and it was probably only like two, but I was trying not to interrupt and I didn't want to be kind of like, like that jerky guy that's interrupting them, especially holding a microphone. And I don't know how Wayne's going to react like, Oh, here we go again. The media, you know, bugging me with an interview or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I interrupted and asked him what I said to him. I said, I said, Wayne, I apologize for interrupting. Um, I know you've probably heard this literally thousands of times in your life. You're not going to remember who I was. You met me once before. You met me actually a couple times before. And I said, uh, and I, I, I 
just out of respect for them, I don't want to say their names on the air because I don't know if they want to be known, but I said your aunt blank and your uncle blank and your cousins blank. And I said, remember when you visited and he and his eyes just sort of bugged. And I said, like, so I'm not making this up. I said, I don't expect you to remember me. I was just some kid, some neighbor kid. But I said, I clearly know your aunt and uncle and your cousins and your family. And we met a couple times and as a kid and I've got a picture sitting on your knee, holding my road hockey stick from 1982 or 83 or whatever it was. And and uh, he's like, oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, he's like, I, I, I don't remember that specifically. But, yeah, clearly, you know, my family and like, you know, I can't believe this. Da, da, da. I said, any chance I could do an interview with you at some point during the game? Absolutely. No problem. Come find me. When do you want to do it? And I said, maybe like the start of the second quarter, first or second break in the second quarter. No problem. You get me whenever you want. Happy to do it. Happy to help you out. Sure. No problem. He couldn't have been nicer. And again, I don't think he remembered me, but happy to do it. And um, it turns out, and you know what? It's terrible. You guys can remind me of this, or maybe your dad can Google this. Because Ashton, this is this is what happens when you get old like me. The memory starts going. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is why. I should absolutely like, how do I not remember which game Kevin Durant got hurt in? I think it was game two or was it game five? I think it was game two uh, because then of course the story was that there was no Durant the rest of the series, because as it turns out, if you remember when Kevin Durant got hurt and unfortunately blew out his knee or his Achilles, he went down with the injury and it happened actually, ironically, almost right in front of Wayne Gretzky. Like you can see Wayne in the back of some of the pictures, but part of my job as the sideline reporter is to go to the back and try to find out the news. What happened to Kevin Durant? What are the doctors saying? What are the trainers are saying? What's the team saying? Is he going to come back? Is he going for testing? Is he being sent to the hospital? How does this impact the game? What's going to happen? Bah, 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 bah. So I, as soon as he got hurt, I had to go to the back. Well, as soon as he gets hurt, there's a timeout. What's the timeout? A commercial break for the TV and whatever. What's happening after the commercial break? That's when I'm supposed to talk to Wayne Gretzky. Oh, boy. So I'm in the back trying to wait for information on Kevin Durant. And I spent the entire second quarter, the entire halftime, the entire third quarter of that game of the finals in the back, standing outside the Golden State locker room till I finally got an answer and got some information late third quarter going into the fourth quarter. And I was finally able to go back out and watch the game and actually see the rest of the game. But then also eventually make my way over to Wayne Gretzky and say, I'm sorry, we, I missed the interview. We couldn't do the interview and we don't have time in the fourth quarter now with all these sponsors and all these different things we have to get in. And, and I did not even get a chance to get over to Wayne. So to this day, Wayne probably thinks I blew him off or stiffed him and never did the interview. I don't, he probably doesn't he care. Gave him he probably slip. long forgot him. He gave him the I, slip. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally yeah. slipped him and, and totally blew off Wayne Gretzky because I was in the back trying to get you know information on Kevin oh Durant. Oh, my so. goodness. What a story. This is like breaking news, everybody. Ashton, and you would agree, like, uh, uh, of all our tremendous best of guests sharing, you know, great stories, that is the greatest story. Hey, Ashton. And I mean, I yeah. would, I would say that, yeah, I mean, breaking news, everybody. Yeah. Our best of guest. Um, you know how they always say, uh, guys that, uh, Wayne Gretzky is in his office, like behind the net. <laughs> our best of guest, Eric Smith was actually in Wayne Gretzky's home office, if you will, everybody. So <laughs> good. What a great story that was. Um, uh, good stuff. Well, uh, Ashton, you've got, uh, of course, we've got our best of guest on here, and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask him a Raptors question. So, Ashton, uh, fire away. 
Eric, you've been part of some of the biggest moments in Raptors history. For example, the 2019 NBA Finals. You were there broadcasting the Raptors when they won. And in the 2020-2021 season, it was a bit of a struggle for the Raptors. Sadly, they couldn't make it to the playoffs, but this year could be a big rebound year. Eric, can you please share your thoughts on what fans can expect from the 2021-2022 to Raptors? I think Ashton, I think they're going to be better than some people are, are, are expecting or, or projecting right now. Um, they're a lot younger, you know that, and, and you're, you're a big Raptor fan. I think you would agree that the loss of mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry is, is going to be big. Uh, it's, you know, I know a lot of people are sad to see him go after almost 10 years in the city and with the Raptors. Um, I think that they'll miss him and, and they'll miss his leadership. They'll miss his, his, his scoring, his defense. They'll miss, uh, you know, everything that he brought to the team and brought to the table. But when I think about how long they are, how athletic they are, which to me makes them a versatile team, especially on the defensive end. And I think about Pascal Siakam with OG Ananobi with Chris Boucher, now drafting another long athletic defensive minded guy in Scotty Barnes, and then add a solid defensive minded gritty Lowry-esque type player in Fred Van Vliet and a guy who showed some positive signs last year as a rookie who's now going to step into a bigger role now in Malachi Flynn with the addition of of Gary Trent in that Norm Powell trade. I think this team has a lot of good pieces. And uh, I don't want to lie to you or to your audience. Um, I think that Milwaukee's got a very good team. They're the defending champs. There's no doubt with Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin, and the list goes on, that the Brooklyn Nets have a very good team. I think that Philadelphia's still really good. I think Boston's still very good. I think Atlanta's been coming on strong, as they showed last year. So there are a lot, a lot of very good teams in the East, and there are a couple of very elite teams in the East. And maybe the Raptors might take a step back from having been a top two, top three, top four team for most of the last six or seven years, maybe they're now a team that is, is, is realistically looking at being, you know, a, uh, a six, seven, eight seed instead of a one through five seed. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that as long as you're a team that is still competing for a postseason berth and a spot in the playoffs, give me that chance. And I, and I, I would say this Ashton to, to, to any man, any woman, any boy, any girl, any kid, any age, no matter what sport it is, professional or amateur, little league or or whatever it is, just get in, just give me a chance, and then let's see what happens. Because whether it's whether it's whether it's a fluke, whether it's an injury, whether it's the stars just aligning one night, whether it's somebody just having an incredible pitching performance, or somebody going off and scoring four goals, or a goalie just standing on his head one night, or whatever it is. We've seen it enough times in sports, again, at the amateur or professional level, you never really know. And, and some might argue with me that, hey, the majority of the time, the favorite team wins. Yes, but it's not 100% of the time. So you might say majority, but it's not 100% of the time. So just get me into the playoffs. Even if I'm that eighth seed, I got a shot. If I'm the seventh seed, if I'm the sixth seed. And I think the Raptors are going to be uh, a young, hungry um gritty team and Nick Nurse the type of coach he is he's never going to be 
ill-prepared or under-prepared. He's going to have his guys ready. He's not going to be out-coached, and I think that they're going to be a hard team to play against on any given night. And I think when you're a hard team to play against, that gives you a chance to be in a lot of games. Fascinating uh, Raptors perspective. So much uh, information, so much insight. And uh, Eric, this has been uh, so fascinating already, this best of guests. And uh, we apologize because we're going overtime with you. So we, we, we hope we can ask you a few more questions. Well, uh, I think you're going overtime because I'm talking so long. No, so. <laughs> no, no, not at all. This has been so fascinating for our listeners, this best of segment with Eric Smith. And uh, uh, a few more questions uh, for you, Eric. And you, you've touched on this during this great uh, segment Um about the importance of being your best in your given field. Um, I wonder if you can put more of a, a focus on that uh, to get your perspectives on it. And of course, um, the value of education for young people in this world. Um, listen, I don't, I don't want to try and give you a, 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 a cliched stock answer, but I think education is everything. Um, but I will say this to, to, before I get to the, before I get to the, 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 the books and the the institutions, I think education is a lot of things. I think um, education is life. Period, um, and I think making sure that you're 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 keeping your mind and your your heart and your head open to learning every day from a lot of people, and not just your parents and your grandparents, but from friends and neighbors and people that you run into or people that you listen to podcasts that you hear and and things that can help formulate you as an individual. Um, things that you that can help uh, open your eyes to, oh man, I didn't see something that way, or man, I should have seen something that way, or maybe I was wrong in thinking this or thinking that. So to me, the education is waking up every day and and being open to um, learning and and to acknowledging or accepting if you're wrong about certain things. And as I, I said earlier about my son, he's opened my eyes to to maybe realizing that I've been wrong about certain things or that I need to be more positive about other things or, or my wife having a different perspective on something. And, and, and she, she'd probably say you, you can be, you know, you can be strong willed to a fault or you can be too pig headed and too, too focused on one thing. You've got to be more open. You've got to, you've got to be more understanding of, of other people's opinions or ideas or viewpoints and whatever. And, and, and even hearing that, even if I don't always agree Hearing that at least maybe, you know, gives me a moment to pause and to go, yeah, maybe I should. Or no, forget that. I, I, I'm, I'm staying strong in my convictions here. I'm not backing down or no, I'm right. And we all have those, those, those uh, whether they're actual moments where you truly are right or we have those moments where we're, where we're pigheaded or, or, or cocky or arrogant and, no, and we, we just can't be, 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 be swayed one way or the other. Uh, and again, I think that's all part of the education. Uh, but in terms of, I think how you, you know, you probably meant it more traditionally, Anthony, I think education is huge. I think, um, you know, paying attention in school and, and making sure that you're being respectful to your, to your classmates and certainly your teachers is extremely important, but then that's beyond just grade school and and high school. It's, it's taking that same focus and that same attention to post-secondary, whatever it might be, college, university, whatever it is to, to make sure that you're at the end of the day that you're learning, um, you're learning for yourself, but you're learning for those around you too, because you know what, if you're just a distraction, you're not helping yourself, but you're also not helping others. So it's, it honestly, and I, again, I, I kind of catch myself saying this because it, to me, it seems obvious, but it also sounds sometimes disingenuous because it sounds cheesy and I don't mean to, but it honestly just comes back to try and be a decent person 
And again, I fail at that some days. I'm not always the best person. I'm not always the nicest guy. I'm not always the the kindest. Uh, there are probably plenty, plenty of people even listen to his podcast that are tuning and go, man, I've met Eric and he wasn't nice to me or I've, I've heard him and, and he can be a jerk. I, listen, I, hopefully there aren't many, but I'm sure there's got to be somebody out there. You can't be loved by everyone. But I think if you can try to be the best person that you are, being the best person that you are is involves to me being whether you're a kid, whether you're an adult, whether you're a teen, whether you're in college, whether you're an older person, whatever it is, being the best person means being the best employee, the best spouse, the best friend, the best student, the best whatever. And that that just speaks to then the importance of being the best. So that speaks to the education. Um, that That is all part of the learning, whether it's within four walls of a school or within just the the, the, the open air of life in general. I, I, again, I don't want to sound, second time I'm using this line, but I don't want to sound all fluffy and rainbows and everything, but it's, it's to me just kind of uh, making sure that you're a sponge with a lot of things in life. Hopefully somebody listening to this has learned something from Ashton or has learned something from me or has learned something from Anthony, even if it's just a minor thing that helps them uh, or might help them into another aspect of their life or, or, or a philosophy or an idea that maybe springboards them into their school or into their job. So just having the ability to be a sponge and to learn things uh, every day you wake up and to not be so arrogant uh, to think that you know everything or that you don't need to learn anything else. All-star advice, indeed. Um, uh, Eric, uh, so uh, let me just set the scene here for you. You were a fan for the first ever Raptors draft. You were in the stands, 1995, uh, mm -hmm. for the NBA draft. You had a passion for basketball. You wanted to get in the field. You met your goals. You've risen to such a a high level, some of the highest levels of sports broadcasting in this country. Um, I'm curious, and our listeners are curious, what does the future look like for, for Eric Smith? Um, it's, I, I wish I had a great answer for you. It's a tough, it's a tough one to answer. Um, I, I, honestly, the best answer I can give you, and I, I hate to cop out, is I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and part, of, part of the reason I don't know is because for all the reasons you just said, Anthony, I'm I'm very fortunate, very lucky, very privileged to have done what I've done already in my career, and I'm, you know, I don't I don't I don't I don't say it often, but it's you know it's it's not a secret. People people can find out my age easily. I think it's on I think it's on Google somewhere or Wikipedia or whatever, but I'm only 46 years old. Uh, some people even hear that and go, "You're 46." And I take that as a compliment that people don't think I'm as old as I am, but I've been around a long time, fortunately or unfortunately, doing this. <laughs> so when I think about being only 46, quote unquote, I hope to still be working and, and broadcasting and working in, in, in some semblance of the media, radio, television or otherwise, for another at least 15, if not 20, 25 years, um, maybe even 30 years if, if I'm still of you know, sound mind to, to, and, and health to be able to do so. Um, so what can come over the next 15, 20, 25, 30 years? I don't know. Uh, especially again, as we referenced for this third or fourth time in this uh, podcast, the, the ever-changing technology and, and how uh, that has changed the game for the younger generation, but also changed the industry for all generations and for all ages. And, and, and how does that open more doors for me potentially to, you know, and I'm just off the top of my head thinking about, 
broadcasting games in other markets or in other countries, in other continents, other sports. Um, listen, Matt Devlin is one of my closest friends and another guy who's been like a mentor to me in my career. Uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said I, I didn't want to, you know, have a, a, an aspiration to one day uh, call games on television as well. Uh, but at the same time, I never have and never will angle for somebody else's job. I'll be content and happy with my own job. If if that opportunity ever presented itself to transition over and work Raptors television games or to call games for even another team in television, great. But even if that never came and I broadcasted Raptor games on the radio for the next 15, 20, 30 years, I'd be just as happy doing that as well because it's an honor and a privilege to do that. And I love doing that. And I love as much as I like being on television and doing TV, I love uh, the 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 radio medium and the and the world that is radio too and 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 speaking as you guys can tell I you know tend to you know yammer on quite a bit uh, so I love that aspect of radio and the freedom of radio and the spontaneity and sort of the improv type nature of radio I I, I love all of that so I I honestly don't think a lot about what's next or what the future is because I'm I I very much am somebody that tries to live in the moment. Again, my wife would probably disagree and say, oh, you're always stressing out about the future and money and finances and bills and paying this and doing that. And are you, you know, like, yes, that's that's kind of personal life. And that's all the things that come with adulthood and, and all the challenges that that Ash and your dad could speak to. But when it comes to the job itself, I don't get too caught up in thinking too far forward because I've enjoyed the challenges that have come along the way and the opportunities that have come along the way. And I just um, hopefully not naively like to think that there will still be challenges and other things that come up. And it's also going to be incumbent upon me to challenge myself potentially if I have to juke and jive or if I have to tackle new things or try new things that maybe uh, I wouldn't have thought about. Maybe there's something right now, literally this second that I'm not thinking of that presents itself as an opportunity a year from now or five years from now. I'll tell you, back in 2012, um, the phone call to do the Olympics came six days before the Olympics started, and it was a fill-in for a broadcaster who had a sickness in the family and had to back out at the last minute, and I got the call to do men's boxing, first time ever broadcasting boxing, and a boss called and said, can you step up to the plate and help us out? And I, I mean, I wasn't going to say no, but I was – while saying yes, in my mind going, holy, what the heck am I doing? Do I Am I going to be able to do this? Do I know enough about this? Can I do this? And even the first time I got asked to do the tennis six or seven years ago, I played tennis as a kid, uh, played a year of high school tennis, played it a ton just recreationally, still do to this day, enjoy going out and hitting the ball around on the court. I know the rules of the game. I follow the game as a fan. I know a lot of the athletes just as a fan. But can I broadcast this? I've never done it before. I've only worked in basketball predominantly for 20 years. Can I actually do tennis as well? So all these things that come along the way, um, I think, are just challenges that uh, I don't know they're going to happen. I just, I guess I'm hopeful that they happen, but I have to be ready for them and, and, and have to tackle them. And that's why I don't necessarily set uh, a, a path or a plan or a goal because I'm very happy with what I'm doing right now. And I'm hopeful that there are other challenges that come with uh, this job, this industry along the way. Like, you, you know, I'll say this again. And I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm using this line yet again, guys, to you. I don't want to sound too repetitive, but 
um, at the risk of, of coming across arrogant and Ash, and hopefully your dad can back me up knowing me for as long as he is. I'm, I, I, I don't try to sound arrogant in saying this at all. I say this just very, very grounded and, 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 and very respectfully. I am lucky enough to sit here and say to you guys that I have one of, what, two, three jobs in the entire country. Because Canada has only one NBA team, there is only a radio crew and a TV crew. And the radio is is split across two different stations. But more often than not, most NBA markets, there's a radio play-by-play guy and a, and a TV play-by-play guy. And in Toronto, there's one extra. So that means instead of one of two, I have one of three jobs in the entire country. That's pretty cool to say. So if this is what I do for the next 15, 20, 25 years, I think I'm more than happy and more than content doing this and this alone for the next 15, 20, 25 years. If other things come along and those challenges present themselves, I'm thrilled for that. And I can't wait to tackle those things. Uh, and if other opportunities, big or small, come along the way to, to challenge myself more professionally, personally, to let's be honest, to make more money as well. Uh, not that that's the be all end all. I'm more than willing to take on those things too. And would love to make more money and all that. But again, if I could sit here, uh, when I retire, whenever that is, and say that I was the radio play-by-play voice for the Toronto Raptors, that I was a a television broadcaster for the Toronto Raptors for, you know, it's already 20-plus years, and if I had a chance to say for 30 years, for 35, for 40 years, uh, I'd say that's, that's pretty good. That's something to be proud of. So um, hence the reason I don't get caught up in trying to think about what's next or what the future is. I just kind of go with the flow and, 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 and live with the, you know, being content with what I got right now. Well, that's happy news for a lot of your fans to, to hear that uh, you'll be continuing with your Uber talent to uh, continue to sparkle on, uh, on the radio airwaves and also the television screen. Um, we have one more question. I'm going to pass the rock to my chum calling in remotely from the, the cottage country. Ashton, you've got the last question for our best of guest, Eric Smith. Eric, what advice do you have for young kids looking to become a sports broadcaster just like you? Well, I, let's let's go back to early in the conversation, Ashton. I would say my the first piece of advice, uh, again, uh, relying on, on you, uh, whoever you is, whoever's listening, having the the smarts to know when I say, say no to nothing. I, it's pretty obvious. I'm talking about scholastically and, and, and experience wise, not anything that's going to put you in any legal problems or <laughs> do doing something that's against the law. Try to gain as much experience as you can. Uh, like for you, Ashton, I don't know if you want to be a future broadcaster or if this is just something fun you do with your dad, but if you have aspirations and dreams of working in TV or radio one day, you're already checking off the one box of what I would say. Get some experience, hone your skills, practice, 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 and then focus on things that um, will help you in that chosen field, whether it's those English clashes I was speaking about, whether it's writing short stories, creative writing, which will one day help you in script, whether it's focusing on your spelling or your keyboarding skills or your editing skills and tackling things like social media and and not just sending out tweets and pictures, but how to actually properly 
you know, um, write a, 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 an engaging post and proper use. Again, all this is stuff is stuff that I've even had to learn last decade. Proper uses of hashtags and editing skills for audio or video so that your videos on YouTube or your podcast that you're putting up on all the different podcast platforms and whatnot are more engaging, more interesting, et cetera, all that stuff. Get that experience uh, and, 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 and really try and, again, I say hone those skills and, 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 and find that focus overall then that will help you towards that chosen field. And again, I was focusing a lot, Jer, on, on broadcasting, on, on radio TV. But honestly, for anybody that's listening, whatever it is, try and get the experience, try and focus your mind and, and your, your, your body and your, your learning on things that will help you in that chosen field. And honestly, ask questions, ask questions. Ashton, you've probably heard it before. They, they say there are no stupid questions. Sometimes I say to folks, well, there are some stupid questions, but I think the stupid questions only come from people that aren't actually listening. Because if you're listening, you're going to ask engaging questions. If you're interested, you're going to ask engaging questions. And if you're asking engaging questions, you're going to, and if you're making eye contact with people, you're going to get engaging and informative answers that are going to help you in the long run as well. So don't be afraid to ask questions to whether it's other kids, other students, other teachers, other parents, other professionals, seek out that advice, take it to heart, uh, and, and try to be a sponge with so many different things in life. And also, don't be afraid to ask questions from people or to people that are outside of your chosen field or your chosen class or your chosen expertise, because I think um, it helps make us more well-rounded people let alone workers and individuals, if we're getting uh, perspective and opinion from various different walks of life, whether it be age, gender, race, jobs, whatever it may be, we need that perspective from uh, a cross-section of society, not just from one group. Tremendous advice. Uh, championship segment. Um, Eric, on behalf of Ashton and I, just want to thank you so much for joining us on this best of segment. Um, it has been one of the best uh, for our best of guests and um, informative, uh, entertaining, real talk, father-son fun talk. And um, boy, oh boy, I mean, just even uh, come off air just before we, uh, we, we had the recording with you. I mean... I just marveled. Like, I mean, we've known each other uh, for over two decades, and to reconnect here uh, on the show and to share the experiences with Ashton, who's a big fan of yours and a big fan of the raps, big fan of sports, has been great. And um, uh, just before we close the segment, I do want to uh, bring in my uh, chum Ashton that wanted to say a few words to you as well, too. Well, uh, first of all, uh, thank you, Eric, for coming on the show. Uh, it's been a, been a pleasure. Uh, uh, of course, me being a Raptors fan, and uh, my dad's told me uh, about you and how you guys met and all those great stories before I was born. And I think that just real, those stories really just inspire me to be a, sp a sports broadcaster just like you one day. Well, that's, that's really nice to hear, Ashton. I, I appreciate you saying that and that, uh, you, you know, I was smiling as you were saying that because, uh, yeah, I've known your dad a long time and it's it's great to see that you guys have done this uh, 
together and I, I, I told my son about this this podcast and he actually said, oh, that's something that we should do together sometime, Dad. We should start a podcast or something. So I don't know, as I just talked about in your answer about advice, maybe you guys have already inspired my son uh, and, and me for that matter. I don't know if we'll ultimately end up doing it or not, but it's something that's already been discussed and, and an idea that's popped into his mind. So uh, I was I was thrilled that you guys asked me to come on and I'd do anything for your dad and, and was happy to do this, Ashton, and, and getting a chance to meet you, albeit through the through the microphone, through the podcast. And uh, hopefully I get a chance to meet you in person uh, at a Raptor game, you know, if, well, hopefully this year, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this year. Yeah. Uh, but if, if, if not, then, then very soon and we can, uh, you know, we can meet in person and then we can, you know, do this podcast again sometime either in person or over the phone or, or whatever, some, some, some time down the road. Oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. Ashton, you're going to take us to break on episode 24. This ends our father-son best out segment. More father-son fun talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Welcome back to Champs and Chums. Happy August, everybody. It's episode 24. It's Anthony and Ashton in the broadcast chairs. Thanks so much for joining us here on our uh, Heart of the Summer episode here on Champs and Chums. And Ashton, it's now time for our All Pro Go segment. And just so the fans know, our All Pro Go segment is a Did You Know Sports Spotlight. So Ashton has the um, the mic, and he's going to focus and spotlight a special sport for the fans. And Ashton, I you know, there's been so much talk about the Olympics, right, my friend? Yep. And has. actually... Uh, from a Canadian perspective, it is was a gold medal winning uh, all-pro goal because Ashton is going to talk about the sport of decathlon. Ashton, take it away. The decathlon is a combined event in athletics consisting of 10 track and field events. The word decathlon was formed in analogy. Analogy, yeah. Analogy to the world to the word pentathlon pen, pentathlon yeah. from greek dika uh meaning uh 10 meaning 10 contest or prize events are held uh over two consecutive days and the winners are determined by the combined performance in all performance is judged on a point system in each event not by the uh position achieved the decathlon is contested mainly by male athletes while female athletes typically compete in the heptathlon heptathlon yeah heptathlon traditionally the uh title of the world's greatest athlete athlete has been given to the person who wins the decathlon this began when Gustav V of Sweden told Jim Thorpe, Sir, you are the world's greatest athlete. Uh, after Thorpe won the... Thorpe, yeah, yeah, Jim Thorpe, that's right. After uh, Thorpe won the decathlon at the Stock Stockholm Olympics in 1912. Uh, the event is similar to the penth- penthalon uh, held at the ancient Greek Olympics greek olympics and also similar 
to a competition called an all-round, which was uh, contested at the United States Amateur Championships in 1884. Another all-round was held at the 1904 Summer Olympics. The modern decathlon first appeared at the 1912 Games. Uh, the current official decathlon world record holder is Frenchman Kevin Mayer, who scored a total of 9,126 points at the 2018 Desicar? De- De- Deskistar, yeah. Deskistar in France. Amazing, uh, son. Uh, good stuff. And, and, and boy, uh, lots of history, right, and, and legend in, in, uh, in athletics. And what I've learned by what you've said is that you're right. Traditionally, those who have won, whether the heptathlon or the decathlon, are anointed the title of world's greatest athlete. So that means, fans, that London, Ontario's own, Gold medal winner from the Tokyo Olympics this month, Damian Warner, you are the world's greatest athlete. Ashton, how about that? Well, uh, yeah, that uh, was an amazing achievement for uh, Canada in the Tokyo Olympics, and uh, we hope he can win uh, more more medals. That's right, and, uh, you know, uh, so I wouldn't say you had a brush with, with Damian Warner, the gold medalist. But yeah. you saw him in person because I how how remissed I was and all of the great uh, check marks and scorecard of fun father son sports experience we did. But we saw him at the tennis. Yeah, we went to a Sunday tennis National Bank Open. Not just the uh, any Sunday tennis action. It is the finals. It is championship. It was championship day of of yeah. uh, the the National Bank Open presented by Rogers. Yeah, uh, at the Aviva Center in Toronto. So it's the Men's National Bank Open. And uh, there was a doubles final and singles final. So um, I wanted Rajiv Ram to win. And they won. Uh, He won with his teammate. And um, since I was cheering um, Daniel Medvedev on the... I think it was the same week, but um, I I saw it on TV, uh, so I I wanted him to win, and he was versing this guy who was pretty good. But when when the the problem was when when Medvedev was beating him, and Medvedev won, um, was the the other guy Riley. Uh, Riley Opelka, yeah, hard, yeah. big-serving uh, right-hander for the uh, from the U.S. Yeah, he was making too many forced errors, as they call it in tennis. Yeah, unforced errors for yeah. sure. But let's bring it back to our, uh, our our Canadian champion and our All Pro Go, because there in the stands, as we we applauded not only the great on-court play, but who was there? Damian Warren. Damian Warner. That's right. So everybody, Damian Warner. A, decath- a decathlon represented Canada so well, he set an Olympic record with 9,018 points. Um, so well done by him. But Ashton, as we're doing some deep research here, 
there is an athlete in the decathlon yeah. that bears your name, Ashton Eaton, the world champion from the United States, 9,045 points. Wow, that is amazing that uh, someone has my name uh, in decathlon. That's pretty uh, special to me. Well, it's all very special, and that's your All-Pro Go for August, episode 24. It is the decathlon, and that was a wonderful Olympics. Good stuff, everybody. Well, we've got more show to come. You're listening to episode 24 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Welcome back to Champs and Chums, and Ashton, it's now time for our signature segment. That's right, it's our Champs and Chums segment where we salute our stars on and off the field. Ashton's going to select a champ and chum for this episode, and I will do the same, a champ and chum for episode 24. Ashton, over to you for your champ. My champ is Chris Boucher. Slim Duck, the man you just met. Chris Boucher, your champ of episode 24. Well done, my man. Uh, why yeah. is Chris Boucher your champ? Well, uh, he's he's a great guy on and off the court. Uh, he's really nice. He's uh, caring. Uh, he does, uh, He, as I said, he does amazing stuff uh, with children on and off the uh, court. And uh, I think he's just... Uh, he was a great find for the Raptors. He was a great find for the Raptors as well, too, right? Just remember, Ashton, he was undrafted in the NBA draft, right? Uh, yeah. In 2017. Um, so he came his, came, uh, his way through, um, you know, uh, obviously uh, uh, tough injuries as well, too. Um, you know, I know uh, his story about um, growing up in Montreal where they... Uh, had to work he had to work him and his family through a lot of the toughest times right but um, in all those tough times as he grew up right Uh, in the month in Montreal there was always this um, uh, individual who brimmed with talent so it was just amazing to see uh, him um, rise to the occasion and do all the fantastic things that he's doing now of course he's an Oregon duck as well too uh, played from 2015 to 2017, uh, a uh, power forward and center for your Toronto Raptors, uh, Ashton. And uh, what was it like? Uh, you talked a little bit about it on the show, but what was it actually like to meet your champ? Well, uh, it was a great experience, and uh, he was definitely taller than me, I should say. Um, and. I think when you meet uh, someone that you really are passionate about and you really uh, like them uh, for what they do, uh, I I think it's just an amazing experience to have, knowing uh, late later and later uh, when when you're older that you met someone that you're passionate and uh, about and you like the things that they do and uh, you aspire to be them when you were younger. Great words there, my friend. So that's Chris Boucher, Ashton's uh, champ of episode 24. Chris, uh, uh, not too far away from his uh, NBA G League uh, MVP in 2019. Of course, a G League Defensive Player of the Year in 2019. 
uh, G League uh, made the all uh, all G League team in 2019, and we can't forget. He was part of that Raptors run in 2019. Good stuff. All right, over to Dad for my champ of episode 24. And I'm going to keep it in the Raptors family, Ashton, with all this good chat about basketball and such here in episode 24. Because um, I'm going from North Philly to your city. My champ of episode 24 is Kyle Lowry. How about that, Ashton? What do you think about that pick? Well, that's a great pick, knowing that he uh, left the Raptors to the Miami Heat. Uh, So we really do appreciate uh, Kyle and everything he's done for the Raptors. Uh, Nine seasons with the Raptors, and uh, we really just... uh, Hope he'll do well with the Miami Heat, and uh, we wish him all the best, and uh, we really appreciated everything he did uh, on the Raptors. Ashton, you, you you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, what, what a contribution Kyle Lowry made to this team. Uh, almost a decade putting on the jersey, that uh, famous number seven for the Toronto Raptors, uh, the point guard. He was the captain, if you will, the the on-court general. Um, you know, he always seemed to be so clutch. You know, he had this um, this real presence about him on the court, and he, he really battled. And I think for a guy that was six feet tall against some of the giants and the stars that he played against, he acclaimed himself very well. Uh, six-time NBA All- All-Star, that was Kyle Lowry. Of course, uh, he won the championship. He helped lead the Raptors to their first-ever title in 2019. Uh, and uh, he was, a, he, of course, uh, uh, Villanova, his, uh, his alma mater, re- retired as number one. He was a Big East All-Freshman in 2005. And um, for all the things he did on the court, It was so great over the almost decade that Kyle Lowry was a Raptor. Uh, It's what he did in terms of him maturing. Uh, You know, obviously there was a lot documented of, you know, when he came to the Raptors, probably wasn't the most, uh, I I guess, um, committed to, to everything to be great. But boy, oh boy, the resume that he leaves, the contributions he made on the court, off the court to this city, Kyle Lowry will go down as one of the greatest Raptors of all time. And uh, that's my champ for episode 24. Ashton, over to you for your chum of episode 24. My chum is my friend Sonam. Good pick, good stuff for episode 24. Uh, And why is uh, Sonam your chum of episode 24? Well, she's just a really great chum to have. Uh, She also plays video games with me online uh i don't know if any of the viewers have heard of this app called roblox uh we've been playing that uh she is really nice and she is really caring and uh, i also want to shout out to her brother arjun uh for being a great brother to her and uh i want to shout out to arjun again for being a great chum uh to me 
Great, uh, great words, Ashton. And yeah, shout out to uh, your chum Sonam and uh, your chum Arjun and uh, and their parents, uh, Ron and Harmeet. Uh, big fans of the show. We thank you so much for your support. They've been on uh, some of the Facebook Live events that we've had o- over the last, uh, I guess, almost two years of Champs and Chums. Yeah. Um, they, they, they do listen to the show. And now that you've named uh, Sonam your chum, I can guarantee that she'll be listening to episode 24. Yes, she will. Good stuff. All right, over to Dad with my uh, episode 24 chum selection. And I'm going to keep it in the basketball family. I'm going to keep it to make sure, fans, you've been fully raptorized. I'm going to select our best of guest for my chum of episode 24, the accomplished broadcaster, Eric Smith. And uh, I tell you what, Ashton, there's some great stories I have in the early beginnings of actually connecting with um, with our best of guest. I uh, Eric and I met in the in the sports world. He was obviously on the reporting side at the time. Still does some great work on the journalistic side, but now he's got the on camera presence. But um, did you know the er- one of the earliest of early beginnings of Eric and I meeting? He was the producer for a, a fan five ninety show, Ashton. I did not know and that. And he called me when I was working with the Leafs, and he asked me if I wanted to go on uh, the Gord Stellick, the big show, because I was leaving the Leafs for a new opportunity at Bridgestone Firestone. So, um, so many great mer- uh, memories of uh, in sports with Sm- Smitty, and I can tell you, uh, fans, he is one of the most knowledgeable, one of the most talented, one of the most hardest working, and one of the nicest people um, that I had the pleasure to, to work with uh, while in the sports industry. And he, um, it's not just all the things he does to be great, and he certainly has risen to that. I mean, I just gave you the story, Ashton, about him starting off as, as almost like the Cub producer in that great class of, um, of graduates that came from, I guess, um, internships and, um, and roles at the fan to move up to big national things like Eric did. I mean... Guys like uh, Strombo, uh, George Strombolopoulos, Elliot Friedman, that that class of of guys from the fan, like uh, you know Barry Davis, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The the class goes on and on, but um, it it's just so wonderful to see Eric uh, rise to such stardom in his broadcasting career and to be able to share a mic and connect years later uh, has been a wonderful, wonderful thing. So uh, all those things. Smitty, you're my chum of episode 24. Good stuff. Well, we've got more show to go here, Ashton, and you're listening to episode 24 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Welcome back to Champs and Chums, and Ashton, it's now time to put a great, great bow around a great great episode 24 i really enjoyed this one how about you yeah i really did it was a really fun episode to take informative and entertaining indeed my friend and uh ashton uh, as i always do at the end of every show i wanted to ask you what did you learn today well, I've learned more about uh, Eric Smith's outstanding broadcasting career, and I learned more about the Raptors' championship run in 2019. What a great 
best of segment that was a championship with a capital c for sure having our our best of guest eric smith uh such an accomplished broadcaster join us ashton right and um, yeah boy oh boy did he have some great insights into the his feeling being part of that raptors uh famous run in 2019 and um i'm just so glad that you had an opportunity and we so appreciate eric uh taking the time to uh to join us on the show what else did you learn well, I learned more about decathlon, and I also learned more about the Indiana Fever. Those were some fun segments, uh, you know, our, our standard segments on Champs and Chums had a lot of muscle to them. I mean, think about what Damian Warner did, and I, I certainly learned a lot more about decathlon on the show. Um, it's great when we can see the athletes and all the great Canadian athletes. A great showing by, by Canada at the Olympics in Tokyo this month. Um, but when you can learn more about the sport and more about the world's greatest athlete, that is Damian Warner. I think it's a special thing. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, you talked about the Indiana Fever, right? Yep. I learned a lot about them too. And what a uh, beautiful way to describe a very, very hot month of August. Good stuff, everybody. Well, we want to thank um, uh, our best of guest, our special guest, Eric Smith of uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan, our, your Raptors play-by-play broadcaster, broadcast the Olympics and, and the special Canadian tennis events. Uh, great, great guest for joining us on the show. Uh, Ashton, who else do we want to thank for, uh, for the show? Uh, we want to thank the Power Girls and Uncle Dennis who helped produce the show. That's right. And Ashton, where can our great Champs and Chums fans subscribe and check us out? They can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Podbean, and CastBox. And don't forget social, everybody. Champs and Chums, you can connect with us Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Champs and Chums, our website, champsandchums.com. Ashton, this is going to be the most awesome summer fist bump that we have done in the history of Champs and Chums. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. And Ashton, as we always say, cheers cheers to to champs, champs, cheers to chums, and cheers to an all-star day. Thanks for listening. listening.